swing on a star, carry moonbeams home in a jar, and be better off than you are. Or would you rather be a pig? Okay, welcome to Greenlight Podcast episode five. 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 Episode five. Wow, look, guys, we're really doing it. All of us together, we're on this journey. Um, I'm Mike Friday, as always. I'm here with my producer, Tim Collingwood. Hey. Uh, and this week, we're talking to Christian Sparks, uh, who is the director of Cast No Shadow. Uh, if you haven't seen that movie, just pause this podcast and go take a hot 90 minutes. Watch it. Worth it, for sure. Amazing. Uh, it's an awesome awesome movie so we do talk about that a lot in the podcast um it is not a prerequisite but i i do i think i think you should check it out we talk a lot about feature filmmaking uh in this which is uh, a dream for me uh, i'm glad i was able to to talk instead of just like drool and think about it uh so yeah enjoy the episode you may grow up to be a fish Kinda jumped up slippery fish, and all the monkeys are I was on, uh, like VOCM Nightline. Oh yeah, you calling to those? Well, I, I was yeah, and I was on the show like because okay. I met um, uh, well I met him at the um like Kitty Vitty. I like hosted their mustache judging competition, mm-hmm. and <laughs> which is like one of the better things on my resume right <laughs> sure, now. Sure, yeah, yeah. <laughs> But he, I was like, oh, yeah, I'm moving to Toronto. He's like, oh, you should come in and talk about that on the show. Hmm. And uh, so we had, like, a big debate about it, which was mostly shitting on my career choice and, right. like, moving to Toronto in general. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure it's... How was it, I guess, for um, comedy? Because comedy is, is, is your bag. Yeah, yeah. Right yeah. And, but, I like, I want my bag to be film, is yeah. the thing. Like, I've, I've... Comedy in film or just film as a, as a whole? Just film in general. Yeah. I think, like, I'm more drawn to horror really than yeah. comedy i knew you did those um those challenges because i saw one that you did years ago yeah, yeah yeah and we were on the panel at the same time you and i were yeah i think two maybe the last nickel okay were you on the you were on the panel, I, I don't panel at one point uh, i i helped out over email i was in i was because uh, they screened a horror film that i had years ago it was not really a horror film but uh, and the same night, your um, they did uh, a bunch of like yours is one of them. Yeah. Um, so uh, we we did that together. I don't think we did anything else, did we? No, I don't think so. Okay, I think yeah. that was the only That's thing. It, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. we that that was the one. Um, you had like the family of vampires. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I remember that. Yeah. Yes. Why? Yeah. So I think that was and and all of my like I cheated through all the horror challenges and just did comedy like right. every yeah, single yeah. time. Comedy um, with kind of like blood. Yeah, blood, yeah. blood comedy, yeah. the classic blood comedy genre. Yeah, um, <laughs> and it was like, yeah, because they were all like, oh, let's just, because I was writing scripts in you know twenty five minutes yeah. or whatever. Like we'd get the thing yeah. that it needed to be written about, and I would just like stream of consciousness something out. Um, did you ever do any of those horror challenges? No, I never. But I remember saying at the time that it's amazing. Even when I watched all those, like I prefer the the quick sketches that were that you guys did in like twenty four hours, as opposed to what I did with like like a hundred grand and a huge team right. and cranes. Because just sometimes it depends. There's a certain energy I think 
uh, to doing something quick and off the cuff that if you can capture it, it can be great and it connects with the audience. Yeah. Whereas, you know, sometimes the more cooks that are in the kitchen, that's my experience with the CFC film that I did. I, did, I didn't really like the film. I mean, it wasn't a great idea to begin with, uh, but I made it anyway. But um, uh, uh, by the end, I, I was kind of regretting it. And it, sometimes that's good to happen to you because you're like, well, I'm not going to do that again. I'm not going to make that mistake again. Right, yeah. And, and you learn from it, yeah. Because you can only really learn from doing it, or I find. Like, that's, yeah. that's kind of the way I am. Is like, I can read about something or I can talk to people about stuff, but I don't really learn something until I make a terrible mistake. Well, exactly. And I'm like, no, why, why well, couldn't well, I know? Well, that's the mindfuck about film in general sometimes. Like, if you, once you kind of get to, like, feature level, it can be two, three years before you're making something. So you don't yeah. get to really hone your skills. Um, you get to do, like, how many careers you get to do once or, once every two or three years. Yeah. It can be a bit, um, I don't know, it's good to do commercial work and TV work and on the side if you don't mind doing that to kind of keep, keep your... Um, keep your knife sharp as well. yeah yeah and do you find do you find it easy to sort of like to hone yourself because i'm sure it's pretty easy with commercial stuff to kind of check out and just be like we only need this stuff we can just do it this. is well it's easy to check out just in general. i guess yeah yeah because once you get so kind of comfortable doing that a lot of these spots aren't necessarily especially more the reality based stuff isn't overly demanding uh on you and you're basically just kind of corralling people um but uh yeah i think you got to work hard to kind of try and find something in it that you like yeah and try and kind of learn something new and working with like there's a lot of good people around town i find uh especially in the independent realm people who do commercials not necessarily like on the bigger shows there's a little community that i like working with it's really, oh, okay. it's really easy going yeah a yeah. lot of the same people you probably know yeah yeah well it's not and it's not like a that, that's one of the nice things here is that it's it's like a small scene of like cool people mostly like yeah. there's nobody who i'm like oh god i don't want to i'll never work with this person for sure and you can't really afford to do that here in a, in a in no a... you can't i agree the only my only thing i would say is um uh i find sometimes i'm not pushed a whole lot that's one thing about being uh in st john's that can be challenging at times i mean it depends who you are or, or what your outlook is but um it's easy to kind of like get into a groove and people can be sometimes happy with otherwise mediocre results, I feel like. Right. And not only that, I mean, in Newfoundland, you can also get applauded for doing mediocre shit. Right. It's pretty common as well. Uh, or as, um, I just yearn to be pushed by, by people and projects more a bit. Right. Yeah. So, like, what do you look for in general with with a project? What are you pouring now? Oh, yeah. Go on. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like a rolling start. Nice, nice. Yeah, it just okay. kind of like, it'll just like fade in. Everyone's like, oh, we're, we're already here. <laughs> what? Okay. The recording. <laughs> yeah. We like to throw people into the world. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so they don't have a chance to like be like, oh, I don't know if I'm actually going <laughs> to. Exactly. <laughs> Freeze up. People, yeah. People tune out in the intro. So just need to like. Yeah, exactly. Just really throw them in. <laughs> Cut into the second act. Yeah. Just like learning to swim when your dad just like hucks you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right yeah. Yeah. Quality parenting. Yeah. <laughs> Which is what this show is all about. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, cool. What were we saying? Uh, yeah. So like when you. Uh, so do people like pitch you projects or are you sort of like searching for things like what do you look for in a in a project like um you know usually i find uh i remember watching this um this documentary uh one time and cornell was talking about uh mccready the pearl jam guitarist and he was saying how he that was a guy who you could tell was just infected you know he was infected with an idea and you could see it across the room right and i kind of that made sense to me i feel the same way about stories it's like you have ideas that come and go in your mind. Certain things pique your interest. But there's certain ideas that just kind of like infect you and you can't stop thinking about it. And you're always kind of looking for little pieces to add onto the whole. Right. And, you know, if, if an idea sticks around like that, then that's that's one that I usually 
um, they're the ones I try and go with. Right. And uh, I find now I'm at a point where I've had like, I probably have like five or six feature ideas that I've been just adding little bits and pieces to over the years and just deciding uh, uh, which ones to work on and when. And I'm sure over time some of them will probably fall by the wayside and not get made. Right. But, um, you know, I still feel pretty strongly about, about a handful of those, which is good. Yeah, because it's, it's kind of like a, like a tattoo almost. Like you want to think about it. For like a while, or like, because you don't want to just like jump in and then yeah. be like, ah, this is there forever now. Yeah. Like, well, it's weird. Some people, I tend to like work based off um, theme a lot. I'm really interested in kind of theme. Okay. And uh, and and whether or not there's like a dominant theme for a story, and if that just appeals to themes I've worked with in the past, or something that just represents me. And so I f- I feel like once I nail a theme, um, I tend to think about. The idea for a, a, a piece of work usually comes to me more or less as a whole within like a half hour to an hour. Okay. I'll see the beginning, middle, and end for the most part, or even the beginning and end. Yeah. Um, uh, which I, I don't know if that's good or bad. That just tends to be the way I work. Right. And then over a couple of years, I'll look for little pieces, little anecdotes that thematically are relevant, and I attach them to that main idea. And okay. And I feel like for whatever reason that I have enough... Um, to make something work, then I'll sit down and write it. Right. Okay. Yeah. Oh, so you you're like you you think of so do, would you do that in like a, a treatment form or just kind of like like do you do yeah. the index cards? Yeah. No. Usually I don't do anything like that. I probably should. Um, but no, I tend to just usually start with like a word document where I'll just write down jot notes of ideas. Okay. And you know, once every six months to a year, um, I'll organize I'll organize those ideas um, chronologically. And then once I'm like, okay, this is the film I'm going to do next, then I will basically um, try and start with like a one or two page synopsis. Right. And then I'll expand that to probably 20 pages and then I'll do the script. Oh, okay. And and over, so over how long, does it sort of depend? Like if you get more excited about something, do you tend to like sort of stick more anecdotes in or is it sort of a set amount of time usually for you? No, I don't think... I haven't been doing it long enough to know... I don't know what the hell I'm doing, man. Right, I'm yeah. Just, I'm, just, I'm just trying to make it all work. Yeah. I, uh, but I'm starting to find a pattern now, like... Um, I'm working on a crime thriller now that I probably had the idea for, for first about two years ago. Right. And, you know, I'll have that written hopefully within the month. And the, the plan is to shoot that uh, this summer. Okay. And so, you know... But while I'm... Once the script is done, I'm waiting for funding to come in line for the summer. I'm going to start writing the next one. Okay. So I feel like I'm at a point, like, uh, I made my first feature, Cast No Shadow, I guess probably like two or three years ago now. Yeah, yeah. I wish I had the next one, this crime thriller, ready to go right away, but I hadn't quite, uh, my ideas and my production schedules hadn't quite caught up with one another. So I feel like now I'm at a stage where when I'm prepping for one film, I'll have the next film script, or at least outlined, kind of ready to go. Okay. So that it's only kind of one or two years between projects. I mean, that's the ideal. Yeah, yeah. Um, if that if I can do that, that would be great. Yeah. And uh, I'm lucky too because I'm at a stage now where I'm starting to get sent scripts um, by different people. That's that I, a dream. Yeah, which is yeah. kind of cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so that, that that's a nice added benefit. I was close to there was one I really liked actually recently that someone sent me. I didn't think it was quite ready to go. Right. And they wanted to shoot in like four months. Okay. And so for me, I'm not like I, I need a lot of prep time. I need to fully get inside it and understand it. I'm not just gonna go and do it for the sake of it. Right. And uh, so I turned it down, and then I, I heard later that uh, they were shooting with Bill Paxton, you know. Bill oh Paxton. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah and uh, and a couple of other fairly big actors, and it was the first time in my life I was like, oh, I could have made a film that uh, Bill Paxton was in. Right. <laughs> and uh, I'm glad I never. Uh, but, uh, but right, because that would almost be like if you had signed on, and then it was like, oh, Bill Paxton's on this. Like, yeah. Well, if months. I signed on, maybe maybe Bill Paxton wouldn't have signed on. Oh. Who the hell knows <laughs> how it works? But uh, 
Uh, I, I, I don't, uh, I'm not the biggest Bill Paxton fan in the world. I like weird science as much as the next person. Right. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> Otherwise. Like, what's your, uh, so when you get like a, how many like scripts do you, do you sort of get sent that you're, that you're kind of like, like what makes you sort of like pass on something? Is um, it, is it all timing or? No, no. I mean, again, and so it's not, I'm not sent scripts like, I'm not like, uh. Uh, Kerry Fukunaga just sitting home fielding scripts every right, day. Right, yeah, just throwing I've been, them out I've the been window. S- I've like been sent like a handful fire. of scripts in the past year. Okay. Uh, and, and this is, you know, the past couple of years is the first time that this has started to happen. So, um, I mean, usually, again, it's just like uh, you just want something that kind of, um, you know within the first couple of pages what the writer's doing, what the voice is like. Right. It's very rare that you don't know, in my experience, whether or not it's, it's going to work for you even a couple of pages in. Hopefully it gets better. The, the one I was I was liking this year, the actual the first act was pretty good, and then it just kind of went off the rails, unfortunately. And I was kind of bummed because I was like, Jesus, man, this would, be, this would be amazing. I mean, if there's a script ready to go, financing is in place, I just need to kind of show up. Right. That would be, um, you know, that's what you work towards. Yeah, that's awesome. But uh, I don't know how much I'll do that in the future. I mean, having done, um, I worked on my last feature with Joel Hines. Yes, yeah. And I basically pitched him on repurposing his own work, mm-hmm. and he did that and wrote the script. And although I, I, you know, the film has done well for us and I really enjoyed uh, working with him. Joel's great. As yeah. as he's great as well. Um, looking back on it, I realized I wasn't totally connected to the material because it wasn't, it wasn't mine. There's right. something about writing um, every scene, every beat um, that I think, um, you know, helps in the direction, helps in understanding the tone and flow of the overall piece. Right. And so I, I'm not sure moving forward how much I will do other people's work. Um, yeah, learning from that experience, I, I'm excited to basically do my own. Yeah, something that I've written. Yeah, uh, yeah, coming up. Yeah, because I, I, I always wonder about that too, about like working with somebody else's script. Because mm-hmm. uh, so, how how early were you in on the um, on sort of the development of the script with Cast No Shadow? Well, it happened super quick. I mean, um, I was there from the get go. I had heard um, that. Uh, Telefilm announces new micro budget program. Yeah, where they were funding eight films from across the country for two hundred and fifty grand. Right, uh, but the deadline was in three months, and so I was talking to my old, old film professor from NASCAD at the time because I could apply through NASCAD. Mm-hmm. I could have done NASCAD, CFC, or NIFCO. Right, but I had a good relationship with Sam at, at, at NASCAD, so that's the route I went. And uh, I had just finished reading um, uh, Joel's book, uh, Say Nothing, Saw Wood, his novella. Yes. Yeah, and yeah. I really liked it. I liked the spine of the story. It's based off a true crime that happened in his town of Calvert. Right. And uh, this deadline was coming up. So uh, I basically called Joel and said, do you want to go for a coffee? I read your book. Um, and I read your other works. And I could see how we could take different bits and pieces and kind of throw them together to make this new kind of original movie. Add right. troll, add some fantasy elements. Yes. What yeah, do you yeah. think? And uh, he really liked the idea, surprisingly. And, you know, a week or two later, we he started writing. And within three months, we had the script in for the deadline. Cool. And then within nine months, we had funding and started shooting. Oh, okay. So, which is awesome. But at the same time, um, I just really like to prep things. I like to really understand um, what my process is going to be, locations, cast, all that stuff. Whereas Castle and Shadow felt a little rushed. Uh, it was still great. I don't regret it. But um, I look forward to having a bit more time uh, right. moving forward. Yeah, yeah, because that's a and and so that's interesting. Because so it was sort of because did, did he he worked on that script through CFC? Was that was that nope. a CFC script for him? No, no, it wasn't. No, no, he just um, he had just had the novella and different works. And again, I, I basically wrote an outline myself and and sent it to him and said, "What do you think about taking the different works and making this movie?" And uh, and he liked it. Cool. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's awesome. Because those the the fantasy elements. 
in that movie are just like are so because I was wondering about the um, the troll because I had read mm. I've also I've read stuff by Joel yeah. and I was like I, I've never seen him do anything like that. Well, it's funny that's what I was talking about. It's like you know usually you see um, for me I was saying that I'll see the beginning, middle, and end of a film literally pacing around my office within like a twenty to thirty minute thing. So I'd read um, a bunch of poetry, Straight Razor Days that he had mm-hmm. written, and there's a line in there uh, where a father is kind of walking with his son down the road, and they stop at a drain, and the son listens to the water trickling down the drain, and he asks his dad what that is, and the dad says, "That's a troll taking his year long pee." Okay. And uh, and for whatever I read that, and within five minutes, I was like, you know, the boy in the story. Um, you know, there could be a troll in a cave. There was another thing in Straight Razor Days where Joel talked about um, someone who collected, uh, I think it was just old bones or something, and spray painted them chrome. Yeah. So I was like, oh, like, you know, the boy could collect uh, garbage and he could paint it gold to try and pay off the troll. Okay. And it just kind of, like, you know, it's like synapses, things just, just right. pop and connect. And are these these, like, anecdotes that you're picking up throughout the year and kind of just, like, story these in this were, book? And then these you... were all just from Joel's within, oh, okay. like, I'd read, um, I had read, like I said, um, uh, say nothing so I would and then his poetry uh, book uh, within like a week or two and then I just picked different, different bits from all the different pieces and put them together oh cool yeah because like I, I, I latch on to that like anecdote idea because um, I always have I always think of scenes like right when I'm falling asleep is mm-hmm. almost all the time when I when I think of like a scene that I want and I wrote my like my first feature script that I wrote I wrote all around a scene that came to my head when I was falling asleep that made me laugh. Right. And then I couldn't go to bed because right, I was right. laughing. Yeah. Um, and just the idea of somebody... Uh, did you ever see like in Gone in 60 Seconds when somebody does The Stranger and they're sitting on their hand? No, they, but I know that I know that You know that of that The joke. Stranger? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. So The, uh, the Stranger, I whatever. Know, right. I thought it was a Gone in 60 Seconds thing, but most people who I talk to are like, no, that's just a thing. I Gone in 60 regular, Seconds yeah, didn't yeah. make that up. Yeah. Um, for, for listeners who don't know what The Stranger is, it is when you sit on your hand until it goes numb and then you masturbate and it feels like somebody else. Very strange thing. But I was thinking <laughs> that this guy would, would sit on his hand to try to do that and I was thinking if in the movie, what if he like fell asleep and his whole arm went dead? Right. And then you're kind of, because you can kind of, uh, I woke up one morning and my <laughs> arm was sleep i have the terrible circulation i was trying right. to turn off my alarm right with my dead hand and just kind of throwing it around and it was like hitting off the walls and i was like that's gonna hurt later yeah so i was thinking like what if something terrible happened and like a knife went through your hand right and you can't feel it yeah, so yeah. that's pretty cool um so i wrote a whole feature basically around Reminds that. Me of weekend at bernie's for a minute there yeah sort of yeah <laughs> like on the straight and just yeah. like flopping around this yeah. guy just like hitting his arm off things and i was like that's that's funny my and brain. does it spread in the movie uh, does it spread? Yeah. Like the pain starts to come back so he's tying his arm off for the rest of the movie trying to keep the circulation right, right. going in. He ends up doing drugs. Start calling himself Shitty Wolverine because um, he's <laughs> just like he's like delusions of being a superhero now right. that he has this knife hand. Um, <laughs> and it's like those little anecdotes uh, like trying to write those down because I don't think that movie will ever be made because it's like a twenty million dollar action movie. Right. Yeah. So it's like I have that script and I'm like, that might as well just throw that. Well, in that's the another thing. Like, hey, it's... yeah. Well, that's the thing. It's like certain ideas. Um, you know, even if you're like, oh, I really like this idea. Uh, I know I can't make this for any less, like you said, than twenty million. Yeah. So I'm going to put that like third or fourth in the queue. And I don't know. I think you reach a point too where, um, ideally, I mean, you have to consider the commercial prospects a little bit. Yeah. I think I'm like, what can I make for cheap, and um, 
uh, and efficiently that has commercial appeal that will allow me to make the thing yes. that is actually $20 million. Yeah, yeah. You know, you don't want to sell out and just, you know, get, like, you know, make the most mass appealing commercial product. But it doesn't hurt to think about it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, and because and, you can fit those same anecdotes into those smaller films yeah. most of the time. Because I, I know, like, I always make short films that are way too high budget. So whoever I'm working right. with is like, cut this, cut this, cut this. And yeah, I just yeah. put them in my back pocket. I'm like, I'll stick this in something else. Yeah later um and i i because now i'm trying i i went to the like the a workshop with the women's film festival uh and i was sitting down going through this feature with uh ruth atkinson was down yeah to talk about it she's great and, yeah and she's she is really great and she's very kind but also straight up just tells you mm-hmm. when something is terrible mm-hmm. so uh, she was reading through it and she was like okay so the first thing i'm going to tell you is that you have 19 characters in this right. i was like right never counted them because <laughs> like, you know writing. this don't you yeah. yeah and she was like you know that and i was like well, yeah, two, three, five, seven. yes okay i do 19 right. and she's like yeah so cut you know 17 of them yeah, yeah. and rewrite the movie and yeah, i was yeah. like okay and tried to do that and then like the second draft because I, I just gave her a first draft, which I, you know, I wanted to do, but probably shouldn't have done. Yeah. Uh, and then the second draft becomes that much stronger because it's, it's just, you take all the things you like about those other people and just squish them. Definitely. Into one. Well, I feel like a lot of times, like, um, from my experience, like a feature script or any script, it doesn't really start to take shape until a stranger reads it. Yeah. It's amazing even with an edit. Like, I'm, I have often done this, like, I edit something. And uh, I'm like, I, I, I dust my hands off. I'm like, I'm the shit, man. I kill this. Yeah. This is like, it's flawless. And then you have someone sit down to you. And as soon as you press play, it creeps up your back. And you're like, oh, that cut's wrong. Right. Oh, yeah, this yeah. is wrong. You just know it right <laughs> yeah. away, right? Yeah. Uh, it's easy to be delusional. But I think, uh, like you say, I think it's a good thing that you did write it and give it to her right away. Because then it's going to get better that much quicker. Right, yeah. And too many people, I think, uh, just sit on sit on mediocre work for too long. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. And I, I'm not glad saying that your script was mediocre. It but. certainly was. It was below <laughs> mediocre, I think. Because like, I was terrified to read it, right. which was a, was a big key for me. Was I was like, I'm scared yeah, to yeah. read this. Like, I finished it, and I just I felt so good about <laughs> finishing it. Like, I hit the page count, and then I was like, I need someone else to... It's weird. I, I'm the opposite. I can't. I find it hard to move past uh, scenes because I, I I want to keep refining them as I go. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Which is sometimes a bit of a hindrance. You know, they say they often say just get through the past and go back. I find that really hard to do. Yeah. 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 I was hoping to have my feature written, um, you know, a week or two ago, but I, I keep refining things as I go and like oh, okay. and putting off the ending in a way, even though I know it's going to happen. Right. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, but I mean that is that that can be good in a way too because like if you go all the way to the end. With some with something that you know you're going to refine, like it snowballs all the way down. It so does. Like every time you switch something at the beginning, I you're, agree. The you got to totally change all the way through. So yeah, I'm with you 100. Yeah. percent I just can't help it. I mean, I think for most people, um, you know, once you're in your 30s, you establish a style and a pattern that works for you. And right. whether right or wrong, you kind of just keep going down that road. You know? Yeah. 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 Like, can, can it be wrong with a style? Do you think? Like, are there well, it depends, I mean, on how many successes or failures you right. have, I yeah. guess. If you keep getting the door shut in your face, then maybe it's time for a re-examination. Yeah. Uh, it's also subjective, though, you know? I mean, just critical feedback of work in general, I'm less and less interested in the more stuff I make. Right. The more, the more reviews I read of films in general, the more I just kind of question um, uh, just, uh, just uh, critical feedback on work in general. Right. You know, you, you can't take it to heart too much. It's so subjective. Right, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, they they really, because uh, like, I watched Birdman again recently, and they really shit on critics 
mm-hmm. in Birdman. Um, but I, I guess what you're saying about like when you, as a filmmaker, when your style sort of develops and hardens into mm-hmm. whatever it's going to be, and you don't want a critic in the same way, like they're going to have their own things that they look for. And well, exactly. And the thing that just occurs to me when I read a lot of critical views, I'm not shitting on critics. I mean, it, it's it's. I mean, they've been around forever. Whatever. It's, it's, yeah. it's, it's their prerogative. But it's um, I just. I read so many reviews and I'm like, you actually don't like movies. <laughs> like I read reviews on people. You just don't enjoy yourself when you're watching a movie. I right. can tell and I feel bad for you. Yeah, yeah. And I don't want to sit down and read you just shit on movie making. Right. Um, but I'm also, I mean, it's personal taste. There's very few movies that I dislike or kind of shit on. I usually find something that I'll like in most movies. I'm also a sucker. It's like I never see what's coming in yeah, movies. I just yeah. totally give over to movies like within five minutes. Yeah, and I'm I'm exactly the same way. I'm yeah, sucked yeah. in and I'm stuck there. Yeah, yeah. And they're like, "Here's a truth," and I'm like, "Yes, <laughs> yeah. on board." Like, yeah, I don't. Me too. I hear people like questioning like characters' decisions, and I'm like, "But they told us they wanted to do that." So, yeah, I know. Like, I'm that's like, oh, all. Shut I up mean. with your dumb logic. Yeah, it's like, yeah. <laughs> enjoy the movie already. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and it's uh, especially in like crazy. I, I remember watching um, when I was like younger. I was watching. Uh, oh man it was like a Daffy Duck cartoon with my dad and my dad is like normally pretty like okay with with movies like he'll watch everything he believes everything just like me I I, like mostly got it from him but we were watching this thing and it's like Daffy Duck and he's in space and he's fighting a pirate on a a pirate ship that's flying through space right they're not wearing spacesuits or anything with like laser swords and he beats the pirate and like says something quirky and then smiles and he has this big toothy smile and right. my dad goes hold on a minute ducks don't have teeth and I was like that was your problem with this sequence of <laughs> things like it's so funny how what people like latch on to yeah I know when they're going through and like that doesn't that's, that's funny move in my head at all like all of those things made sense because yeah. they told me they were real yeah it's so, funny yeah I think I think the movies you watch as a child too I had three brothers so it's like Stallone and Schwarzenegger were big in my house growing up so I like was raised on really bad bad film and I think yeah. a part of me just like appreciates kind of like I'm not, the story is not always like I pride myself on telling good stories when I write something but in terms of as a viewer I don't always need it to be the most um, uh, sound story no, to, to enjoy no. I mean I enjoyed like even like the Expendables movies yeah which has as I can't remember the story I don't remember right. if there's even, I don't think it's important like there is a bad guy in it I'm right. assuming but they're all just action stars running around yeah, delivering yeah. their favorite one liners yeah I haven't seen those I haven't seen those there's a there's a great there's some great like commando style one liners in those like the I think Jason Statham is dressed as a monk Mm-hmm. And he says, I now pronounce you man and knife and then throws <laughs> knives into people. And it's like, I missed the rest of the scene because I was just laughing hysterically That's in the great. middle of the theater with all of these like tank top bros in there who were like yeah well yeah. that's the thing it's like i feel like people don't criticize music in the way they criticize cinema right it's like because even if there's a song or two on an album that you like then that that five minute experience of that song is enough yeah and you'll re-listen to it over and over again so it's like i don't understand why people can't experience certain scenes or sections of films and and still and, and still enjoy the film or like the film even if the whole thing doesn't completely work. Right. I mean that's why I love about something like David Lynch. It's like 
you know, half the like half of the movies like Mulholland Drive are kind of fucked, and you don't even know what it's about. But the experience, yeah, uh, the imagery and different things, if you let it wash over you, then I think it'd be really enjoyable, right? Yeah, yeah. The Revenant's another example. Mm-hmm. Like I hear some people shitting on that uh, lately, and I'm like, what more? Just experientially, what more do you need from yeah. a movie than what they gave you? I yeah, don't yeah. understand it. Yeah. it that, and that that was strange for me too, because that was like, and especially this sort of year where there were a lot of things that were built up to be really good and then mm-hmm. were just like pretty okay. Yeah, yeah. Like this like blew me out of the water in I terms agree. of like like everything that was happening in it. And like even if you look like one of the things I really liked about Mad Max too was just like the steps that they took to make a cool movie. Yeah. Like all those practical things that they did. Um and like with the Revenant where they're shooting outside in the winter in northern Ontario with practical lighting yeah just for that just to get that look i know it's just yeah Yeah, it's fantastic i agree i agree i I preferred it to birdman myself but he's uh yeah he's doing good work yeah those mexican directors by there yeah they're killing it they're killing it it. who else who else is uh who else do you think of in that uh well i mean uh guillermo del toro yeah and uh is it quaron or whatever who did gravity and who did oh uh, yes yeah, uh, yeah children of men I think those three guys were actually buddies, uh, grown up or whatever. They worked in TV and stuff together, so they've uh, they've carved out a pretty good little niche for themselves. Yeah, in, uh, yeah, in popular cinema. Yeah, I actually met Del Toro when I was at the film center. Oh, really? He came in. Yeah, he was shooting Pacific Rim at the time, and he came in to chat with our. Uh, there was only uh, a half dozen of us, and we spent like three hours with him, just sitting across from a table, picking his brain. Right. And uh, it was just it was just an amazing experience. Yeah. Actually, it was one of his lines that he told me. Um, in my movie, it's like if you take it up the ass once, you're someone who takes it up the ass. That's, that's <laughs> something he told me just as a quote, and I and I put that in the movie. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, oh, that's yeah, really yeah, funny. Yeah. yeah, I've heard that. That that's like um, some some joke about like a, a Scottish guy or something. He's like, you know, I've built twenty five boats in my life, but do they call me Luke the boat builder? No, but you fuck one sheep, and it's <laughs> pretty good. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, at its core, it's the same. Same sort of idea. I think Pacific Rim is an awesome example of those movies that like people shit on. That it's like, why are you shitting on this? movie? I totally agree. You I... knew exactly what this was going to be. Like, it's a big robot fighting a big monster. Part of it too is I think some of them demand to be seen in the theater. Yeah, like I think The Revenant and Pacific Rims are good examples of those films. Like, if you're watching it on your laptop, then I can start to like maybe you're not going to get the same experience. Yeah, but I mean that's not what it's intended to be. If you're writing your review based off something you watch on your laptop, then fuck you anyway. I yeah, mean, yeah. Why you know, why, why didn't yeah. you see it? Yeah, exactly. Where, where it's supposed to be. Nobody's shooting a film being like I can't wait until this comes out and somebody's streaming it on their like 16 inch screen or well exactly i um i like pacific rim too i mean you know it really stands out in the marketplace because uh it's an original property it's not a goddamn avenger or whatever it is yeah yeah. there's so many of those movies i don't really have anything against them i'm just not terribly interested in them yeah in in all the superhero movies yeah yeah it's cool just to see a world that you don't already know yeah like it's 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 cool to see and like it's not it wasn't a completely unfamiliar sort of concept like it wasn't so far so far out of but i i remember sitting in the theater for the um uh and to seeing the trailer for pacific rim for the first time uh i can't remember what movie i was seeing but like i was sitting there and we were like oh look at this like ridiculous giant right. robot fighting giant monster movie 
and then the uh, the rocket fist happened, where right. the rockets come out of the elbow, yeah, and it amazing. punches the monster, and everyone in the theater went, oh! <laughs> like, they were all just, like, stoked. Yeah. And I was like, okay, this movie knows what it is. That's that's great. Cause... And well, Del Toro, too, you can get access to all his drawings and his designs, and you can see the creativity that goes into it. Right. I kind of regret that sometimes, or miss it, rather. Like, I grew up kind of painting and drawing. That was always my thing when I was a kid. Right. And I don't really do it anymore. I went to film school, or I went to art school, sorry, in Halifax, and uh, you know, I did my first year a bunch of painting and drawing stuff. Then I heard they were getting a film program, right? And I'd always been a huge film buff my whole life, so I didn't even question it. I just went kind of headlong in the film, mm-hmm. and haven't really been drawing or designing things since. But I, I really want to get back into it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just need to pick the right project, I guess. Yeah, I can, and I can see that being uh, being cool. Like, oh, cat, the cat, cats and Legos. That's the house that I live in. Uh, <laughs> he's uh, yeah, that's Gordon. He's a dick, and he's. He's been pretty good so far. Now yeah. he's checking himself he's out a, in the sweetheart. reflection. He's a big, dumb idiot. He has such a fat little face, and I love it. Um, <laughs> uh, I was thinking about that with um, with Cast No Shadow, too, with like the troll designs. Like You don't see it a whole lot, but you do see those elements, like the teeth and the nails. Right, yeah, yeah. Um, which I thought was really, really cool. Yeah, that's part... I mean, a big part of it is budget, obviously. It's like right. you're going to see the thing that you need... Uh, because I've done work before. I did a monster film years ago called The River in the Woods. And we got like uh, these people from Toronto who did a great job. It was like 10 grand for the prosthetics for the hands and yeah. and, and, uh, and, and, um, and face. But uh, it didn't it didn't articulate uh, well, right? Uh, you know, emotion and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and it also you couldn't really get it wet. And getting it wet is what kind of brings a lot of that stuff to life, right? And so I kind of learned my lesson there, and I didn't want to. I also, I guess, didn't want Castle Shadow to be too to to lean too far into fantasy. Right. I wanted those kind of elements. Yeah. It's weird. I've done a bunch of kind of fantasy ish type things, but I'm not even a really big fantasy right. fan. I never have been growing up. Yeah. It's amazing how you end up doing work, and you, I find, but like a year after it's done, you're like, I have no idea why I made that movie or how it right. reflects me. I'm sure it does, but I, I, I just don't know. Yeah. 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 Well, I, like, I don't question too much. I, I think that's cool though, because like the um, and like practical. Uh, especially in in horror type things, because a lot of those scenes, like the uh, with the teeth, especially mm-hmm. in the teeth scene, like the way that that shot, because I guess you can't show it too clearly, mm-hmm. really like, and that translates. That translates that feeling of your like when I was watching that, I was like, oh god, yeah, yeah, <laughs> and like like have a that's little... a good point though. I guess it's it's amazing what you can do when you have to work uh, within a box. Right? Yeah. So if you can't shoot, if you need to find clever ways to shoot it and only show fragments of it, uh, sometimes it lends to it's scarier what you don't see. Yeah, yeah exactly. Kind of like the, the psycho scene in, in the shower, like they say, you actually don't see a whole lot, but just right. the way it's put together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't, and like that scene doesn't. I, I guess not comparing this film to Psycho in, in <laughs> any way, <laughs> but it is that that idea, and and that is all working within the constraints that you're given. Like if you look at like Sam Raimi mm-hmm. uh, when they're making like um, Evil Dead and stuff. Like I watched, I I watched a making of Evil Dead, which I found as good, if not better, than the right. movie. Yeah, yeah. When they're just showing, like, we had no money, so we like they didn't even have like sliders. Yeah, exactly. Like they put what was it? They put Vaseline on a construction horse oh, and they? then screwed a board <laughs> into amazing. the bottom of the camera and Vaseline that and slid it through yeah. a window where they taped a boot to a <laughs> stick. <laughs> which kicked the window and broke yeah, yeah. it when it went through. That's like the well. It's amazing how much has changed even since then. I mean, film has changed so much. I mean, even for me, like when I went to film school, I graduated in two thousand four, and I didn't know I didn't know a soul who was into film. Right. Even when I was at, like you know I started in two thousand two, and I was still cutting on like a Steenbeck 
at the time. It's right. changed dramatically in the past 10 to 15 years. Yeah. Uh, certainly the gear. Um, you know, you can make something that looks good. Uh, people still make a lot of things that look bad. Yeah, yeah. But you can get you can get good gear for cheap, uh, which has I think its advantages and disadvantages. I mean, the the cultural glut of mediocre work that's out there is just exponentially bigger now. Right. Yeah. Uh, but there's also some some truly amazing stuff coming from kind of um, independent corners. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it can give it gives like a, a project as a whole. I, I know this from from stand up. It's a big thing. Is I talk to people and I'm like, do you want to come out to the stand up show? And they're like, no absolutely I don't like everybody wants to watch the special on Netflix which is perfect and amazing yeah but they don't want to go out to these shows where people who are are quite good are are mixed in because stand-up as well like the easier it gets to do Mm -hmm. the more people do it right and therefore you get a bunch of people in there who are just like I'm just doing this for one day once to check it off my bucket list and somebody goes and they're like the first comedy show they've ever seen is a guy who's, you know, who had something written down on a napkin he thought of this morning that made him chuckle and just like eat shit for 15 minutes, doesn't see yeah, the yeah. light, just stays up there. And this person's like, stand-up comedy is terrible forever and they never see it again. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's like... I know, they're ruining it for everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Have you found it um, has gotten easier? I guess you've done it uh, many times by this point, stand-up? Stand-up, yeah. And I mean, I... It's a terrifying idea to me. I would. I mean, I'm not funny person anyway so i wouldn't yeah. do it <laughs> but uh, just the idea of it is terrifying yeah and and i mean like there's there's a terrifying element to it but the thing that i find more terrifying about film is that once you make something mm-hmm. you it's there forever right so if you make something like like all these like 48 hour challenges like I, I look at the first one that i ever made yeah and i'm like i never want anyone to see that again yeah <laughs> but it's out there and it's on the internet and i can't get rid of it um and i know like I'm afraid that like, at some point down the line, I'll be like applying for funding and someone will Google my name and that'll come up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And they'll be like, oh no, no, sir. Yeah. You I think nothing. people are pretty forgiving. I think the thing that's terrifying is that um, you can have a great script, great cast, you yeah. shoot it, it goes great. Yeah. Uh, the rough cut's great. Yeah. You know, it, even, even the second cut screening is, is amazing. Yeah. And then for whatever reason, when you're just finishing it, it doesn't quite turn in the third act and the film doesn't work. Right. It's so slippery to, to make something good. Yeah. Um, that idea to me is really, really scary because you never fully know. Even if all the pieces are lined up and you feel good about it, um, yeah, editing is a, is a scary thing because it can, it can make or break. I mean, once you choose an editor and you've spent six months on something, then yeah. obviously you're going you're gonna to see it through. Mm-hmm. But I think a lot of films, even films that don't work, um, if they were brought back into the editing room with a different editor, they could. There's probably a good film in there, right? And, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's kind of a scary idea. Yeah, and the, the editor is like so much. The the movie is is very very in the hands of the editor at that point in time, and it's, yeah, and that is a scary thing. Um, sometimes and sometimes it's just like, oh, perfect. This person's amazing. Yeah, no, it is. It but it's them. it's weird because I mean, you know, I think as a director, your it's your job to kind of help um, guide the editor and yeah. kind of and give um, that creative direction. But it's hard to see the forest through the trees sometimes. You know, even like I've done work before. Um, uh, Castle and Shadows is another example. Like, mm-hmm. um, and there's nothing against my editor. I think John did an amazing job. Yeah. But, um, you know, uh, six months later, I watch it and I'm like, I could probably edit this movie differently and it could be a much stronger film. I could score it differently. Right. And uh, I try not to dwell on it because if you, if you thought too much about it, you would just kind of quit. Right. Yeah. yeah. And the fact that the film ended up doing pretty good for us um, helps. Yeah. You know, but that's funny you mentioned that too because I love the score of that movie yeah. as well. That was one of the things that really stuck yeah, out. Yeah. Jeff me. did a really good job. I yeah. met Jeff at the, uh, at the CFC. Oh, okay. And uh, yeah, we, uh, we just collaborated all online. It's amazing within like, you know, the first 15 minutes of chatting with him, we were like lifelong friends. Oh, yeah. Which is great. But uh, yeah, it's a, uh, 
it's it's a scary idea uh, you know i often think about that is how to kind of finally pull it off for me uh these days i'm not worried about it. i feel like i can i can do uh i can get a good script i have like a, a good enough radar to, to what i think is pick out good material yeah and, and execute it with a good team but putting it all together and pulling it off in the edit is still just a mysterious thing that you never know how it's going to go right yeah that's the thing i find the most uh terrifying yeah yeah because yeah. I, I still find i still find a lot of mystery in a lot of steps yeah uh, so far like i'm i'm turning corners and learning sure. new things that we tried to shoot actually the last episode of this i think we were talking about how we were about to shoot a horror short right and at this point now that short is postponed for a very long time right because it's just like the the <laughs> worst the thing i'm the worst at because i came up in finishing things in 48 hours with like three people right yeah yeah is that as soon as i involve an actual crew like yeah. even this is like skeleton crew of you know yeah. 15 people ish um is uh as soon as i involve more people and i involve the money that is necessary to do those things every single corner i turn is like new stuff they're like did you get insurance for this did yeah, you like exactly this? Like, i know and, yeah and i'm just like freaking out at every step of well that. that's the weird thing about doing um and i find especially with shooting formalism like i debated um, shooting cast no shadow uh, uh, formally because it's so unforgiving like as right. soon as because we don't really move the camera everything is on a tripod it's that real classical uh, style yeah and uh, you know it's, if, if it just all the flaws are evident if you shoot something handheld then it just gives the illusion of reality right. you know you can really hide a lot of flaws that mm-hmm. way and sometimes I think you know making your first film uh, or your first couple of films you don't do yourself any favors by uh, shooting formally it's, right. it's, it's kind of harder to, to get it right yeah but I just kind of wanted to set that high bar for myself mm-hmm. I don't think we necessarily quite achieved it with Cast No Shadow but it's uh, I mean that's why you keep working at it right right yeah. But and that, that can be I guess probably a difficult thing I find if I like I I always work with like Adam Penny mm-hmm. as like DOP so right. he will immediately just be like what you're thinking is stupid let's mm-hmm. do it like this and like he, right, can, right. he can fix things right um, and <laughs> but I because I found one of the things I used to struggle with was uh, and, and I've since learned it a little bit better but was staging a shot without making it look staged right and and that's the thing that i found about sticks because i shot everything handy cam and mm-hmm. everything handheld um just like once i put it on the sticks it was just like oh this is a shot this is a film shot yeah exactly. and everyone looking at it and you can like, analyze it very critically yeah yeah i know but even like you know um the dis- the difference between two or three feet of a subject away from camera or the camera six inches above or below the eye line right. totally gives a different feel. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I think it only comes from uh, from experience, like anything. Right. And hopefully, you kind of you can see the difference the more you do it, and you can figure out what works and doesn't work. Right. Yeah, yeah. Is there anything? Was there any like big thing, what with like when you chose to shoot formally that like was there anything that became like way like took weight off your shoulders or anything like that or is uh, it all just is it all more difficult but just sort of. It's difficult, but I, I love it. I enjoy it. The thing about, I mean, the reason I know, um, I think film is for me, is like, uh, when you shoot formally on sticks, you can be doing a cutaway of someone, like, even taking a teacup off of the table. Yeah. And there's just something about when you light it and it's shot formally on sticks and you see the hand come in and remove it. It's just everyone who's watching the monitor yeah. is like, ooh, you know? It's yeah. like, even if it's, it's a teacup. There's <laughs> right. just something about creating images that are going to cut together that never loses its magic, I find. Yeah. And uh, that's the thing I like about shooting formal. Mm-hmm. But uh, I'm definitely more and more interested in shooting um, handheld, looser. Um, I really like the steady cam stuff, obviously, uh, Inaritu does with uh, yeah. The Revenant and mm-hmm. Birdman. And I really like Malik films as well. He divides people. Okay. But uh, Tree of Life 
and even to the wonder uh thin red line is one of my favorite movies of all time okay. yeah i really those, like yeah. what he does yeah, I should, yeah. i'll check yeah, him yeah. out for sure yeah 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 because pretty I, artsy fartsy but it's uh it's good yeah and yeah. and i it's it's another sort of thing where there's very few even types of movies that i don't like so yeah I, I i sort of watch everything and i can find something in it like with um like the Bird, birdman is especially the way that he did um movement through time in mm-hmm. the one location just yeah. like with these those long sort of moving crane shots of yeah. just like now we're here and i yeah. just like i saw that and it took me out of the movie a little bit mm-hmm. um maybe just because i was because you were aware of the style because I, I, I think about halfway through i was like this is this feels like it was all one yeah. shot. So yeah, yeah. I, and I think I only figured that out about halfway through. Right, yeah, yeah. I was like so into it. But it was one of those long transitions where I was like, oh, this is a really slow transition. I was like, oh, it's another time. And I was like, has he ever cut? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Cut? And then, and and then, then you're thinking, thinking about, about that. that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I guess that is a risk. I haven't thought about that. Usually, it, like if I'm if I'm thinking that watching a movie, I'm still kind of concurrently in awe. Yeah, and, in, and in I movie. don't I don't think of it as a negative point yeah. for the movie or anything. It's just I do, and it was in a point where I'm allowed to think that because nothing's happening. Yeah, at the time. yeah, exactly. Um, and because uh, I was thinking about that with the the Revenant too, because um, he doesn't do it with the the movement of time in that like there he cuts through time mm-hmm. in in that movie, but. Those, uh, like, the, the way he used it in action sequences. Yeah, well, the blocking is just so elaborate. You, yeah. You know, I'm sure, they, I'm sure they block for, like, half a day or more mm-hmm. for a lot of those things. Especially, you know, um, the fight where they basically, um, uh, uh, the Indians attack the compound and then they have the good elf on the boat. Yes. And, uh, you know, that's all pretty much one take. Yeah. That's great. But the, choreogra- uh, the choreography is just amazing. Yeah. You can yeah. tell. Yeah, yeah. And they shot that magic hour. And it's yes. Just, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's and nice. the, uh, the, the thing that I love about that is that I find in a lot of action sequences, it's like, this is what you're supposed to see. This yes. is what you're focusing on. But with this movement, when you're looking around, it's like, man, when these things happen, there's stuff happening everywhere. Like, yeah. there's no one person to focus in on who's heroing through this whole thing. Well, exactly. It's like, they, they, these people are over here doing terrible stuff that if you watch that, that'd be fascinating. But it's like, we, yeah, we also get to Yeah, it puts you see. right in the middle of the action. That's the thing. I think you just literally, we were talking about earlier, just the experience of watching a film. That's what I take the most in The Revenant. Is like, you feel like... You were kind of there in a way, you know, the way they shoot the landscape in these long takes. Yeah. Um, yeah, so for my, my next film, like I was mentioning, is a crime thriller. Uh, it takes place pretty much uh, real time in the suburbs. Oh, cool. Uh, between like 9 a.m. and like 1 p.m. Okay. Uh, which is, I don't think has been done a whole lot before. And we're talking about shooting that in a series of um, long takes. How, how practical that's going to be, I don't know. But I really want that real time kind of feel and put the audience um, in the shoes of the characters. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, yeah. there's, there's really neat stuff with... Uh with tension in there when especially when you get used to it yeah. and you know it's not going to cut at any point so yeah. at a point when you're like boy i hope they cut now so my heart can stop it's <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. No, it's not going to you know it's not yeah. going to i think it's good for the actors too i would assume because um, i haven't done too much of it but um i mean you must really get into the scene like you know if you're not cutting every 10 seconds right uh, or doing a different angle uh you can let the scene kind of play out and you can build on that take after take yeah 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 and a lot of times too i think you know i would imagine um naturally it just kind of speeds things up i feel like i'm, I'm prone sometimes and a lot of people without a lot, uh, lack of experience tend to shoot things sometimes that are too slow paced mm. you know actors you know young actors seeing across from the table they're really chewing up the scene they love yeah. the fact that they're acting on camera yeah, yeah. and they're not actually talking in the natural kind of quick pace that people do yeah um we're shooting that style i think it would only aid that right yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Because the uh, and and the, the those long shots really help with people and they're talking over each other like people would yeah exactly and it feels it feels way more natural 
Exactly. I'm trying to do that in my writing now, is trying to write scenes that people can actually act in. Right. Because I find, like, all of my <laughs> stuff, like, when I go to shoot it, like, I've cut together my first time film, and I was like, those poor actors didn't get to do anything. Yeah, yeah. Because I was so hung up on the plot yeah. and getting the story there yeah. that I didn't let the actors breathe enough. Yeah. So I was like looking at it and I was like, man, they, they like, and they did an amazing job yeah. despite me being like, all right, that's all. You just say those two words. <laughs> well, that's, I find that's a bit of a mind fuck of working with actors in general. At least my experience is like, how often um, have I looked at the, uh, the, the dailies or the cuts and, um, you know, the first take uh, where I kind of let the actor do what they want I was like, yeah, it's not quite right. And then we build together through four or five takes. We feel like we're working on something together and we yeah. really achieved our goals. They feel great. I feel great. Yeah. You get back to the edit room and the first take was by far the best. Yeah, yeah. You know, it makes me kind of feel like I don't know at all what I'm doing. <laughs> right. And so all I need to do is just let them do it. Like the, the longer I do it, the less I try and uh, talk to them and, and give them pointers. It's more as long as they've had the script sufficiently and we've chatted about the, the world overall leading yeah. into it, then ideally you just hire the right person. Right. And you don't have to give them all these pointers. Yeah, right? yeah. yeah. Which is a luxury you sometimes don't have here. Right. Which is why you should go to Toronto. Yeah. <laughs> well, there we go. Perfect. Yeah, done. We'll wrap it up no, there. I shouldn't say that. There are obviously uh, talented actors here. But, yes, uh, yeah. it's, uh, it's a small pool. Like, yeah. like everything here. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And we, we get a lot of people flown in regardless. We do. Yeah, we so, do. Which, uh, like, when, when I'm acting and I end up, you know, in the background being, like, sat on by one of the main <laughs> actors or whatever I'm supposed to do that day, I'm like... I'm like, why were they casting out of St. John's? And yeah. I like look at my own audition tape, and I'm like, that's why. That's exactly why. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's a that's a that's a slippery slope. I mean, I I have I have mixed feelings about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I um, you know, I, I like hiring um local people as much as possible, but um, uh, sometimes you need to push yourself and get and get the people that you deem to be the best that you can. Right. right. And yeah. Sometimes those people are from away. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that and that must be something with when you get into your bigger budget and that door sort of opens. Well, that's the thing. I mean. Another thing now, like I wouldn't, I wouldn't make the next movie without having a cast I'm completely um, happy with. Okay, and uh, it's just, it's just, not, it's not worth it. It's a waste of time. And right. also, cast I think that has um, a bit of uh, uh, name value. Mm-hmm. Um, it, I'm not a slave to that by any means. I don't have the luxury of being a slave. Like I'm not choosing between Brad Pitt and, you yeah. know, and Christian Bale. But uh, you know, we're definitely getting to a point where you know the the three main actors in in the feature uh, could very easily be people we all know from like American film and television. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, you, uh, unfortunately, you kind of have to consider that just in order to get uh, your film seen because that's how it works. Mm-hmm. You know, it's 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 no secret. Yeah, uh, you can have an independent film with with people no one knows and it can break through. It happens. Um, it's rare. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. hard because it's then it's why is somebody watching this right? Like, yeah, and, and it has that, to be truly exceptional. Like a name, a name can be enough to just get someone to be like, yeah, I'll give that a try. Oh, it's everything. Yeah, I mean, you know, that's why um, you know we're at the stage now, and this is we're uh, at a new level where we're basically just trying to sell the film to foreign territories. Um, before we even before it's even made. Oh, okay. Right? Yeah, you're trying to attach people who have value in foreign markets so you can raise the funding and make it for the level that you want to. Right. So right. it's a whole it's a whole different game. And same thing, like even before we're getting all our production money in place, we're hiring a casting agent right out the gate. So you can attach certain uh, actors to it that are going to draw other actors and again draw foreign sales interest. So right. it's very kind of tic tac toe. Yeah. It's you know the business side of it is um is a very important part. Yeah. And there's there's that whole idea of trying to get the first person to jump. Yeah, because you have everybody there who's like, maybe, maybe yeah. I like it. I don't know. Does yeah. he like it? If he likes it, I like it. Like... <laughs> well, the great thing too is I feel like there's so many um, great character actors out there who haven't necessarily been leads, right? Uh, that uh, 
Um, you know, if you can get one of those people to jump on board, someone who's uh, been in big films, but again, not in the lead and everybody respects, mm-hmm. uh, I think that's the way to do it. Yeah. 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 And that, that is something that really pulls me to independent films. Like, yeah. even me, like I know what that move is and I know what that means when somebody's there, but I'm like, I still see that and I'm like, well, they, they wanted it for something. Yeah. Yeah. And like, is it just a lead credit or like, did they see something in yeah, the script? But it's like, enough to make you kind of check it out. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah, turns, yeah. it turns your head a little bit rather yeah. than like there's, you know, four. Yeah, five for things. sure. Yeah. Yeah. No, casting is a, um, it's, it's huge, man. I'm really looking forward to it with this next film as well. Yeah. 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 yeah it's going to be fun. And like, this is, this is one thing I've never, cause I, I don't, I normally don't have a, tr- I've worked with my friends like exclusively right. yeah. uh, at this as point. As do I for the most part. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But, um, when you're like, uh, like, did you know, like Joel was going to play in, in that, like, was there, was there ever like a, a thought about other yeah, people? Yeah, there was a that? thought about other people for yeah. sure. But um, we kind of talked about it. He had written it for himself yeah. right at the beginning. Mm-hmm. And so I had my kind of reservations because I had some preconceived notions about him and what he was capable of right. uh, leading into it. But the more I chatted with him, the more I understood that he that he understood this character. Um, I wanted him to take a crack at it just as a friend and as a colleague. I, mean, yeah. I wanted him to show something that he hasn't shown before. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's how that kind of evolved. Yeah. Right, yeah. Because yeah. I think about that... Uh... The scene in the in the kitchen mm-hmm. where he uh, is it is it Percy? That one's all one take, yeah. Yeah, yeah and yeah. that's like that that scene was the one, and it really breathes, and it really. You're, mm-hmm. I was I was sitting it's there tense. and I was like, I don't know what's going to happen because that's his first stint in violence. Really, it is, yeah, yeah. That you see in that film, and I I remember just sort of sitting and watching that, and like I could you can feel that that breathing, and you can feel like the way that they look at each other, and that and that was was that the first take that you. Uh, the first take that we did of that scene. Yeah. No, I can't remember what take that was, but um, yeah, that was fairly tense because obviously a real life father and son. Yeah. And he, you know, he's grabbing this kid, throwing him to the ground, and kind of whipping him with a belt or whatever. Yeah, yeah. So it's uh, uh, you know, I think it was harder for crew than it was for them because they have such a strong relationship. I mean, yes. they don't need to, you know, there's no confusion about what their roles are. Yeah, you know, they, yeah. They yeah. have a great relationship, so uh, it was harder kind of for for crew in that I think. But for me, that's an example, again, of when a long take works. Mm-hmm. It's really exciting, and you can really kind of feel um, the actors just jump off the screen. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it's not a, it doesn't sort of shove any feelings down your throat that way. Like, I feel like right. sometimes, like, say, say if you made a decision to cut in close on Joel so that you can really see what his facial expression that sort of gives away it does how he's going to react it does or, or even especially if you cut to the boy's face at a certain time it's yeah. like you know let's cram the camera in this child's close up so yeah. we know he's scared yeah yeah but that was that's one of the scenes I think works best in the film and it's because we had the time because it was a wonder to shoot it properly we probably right. did seven or eight takes mm-hmm. and so I mean uh, I'm not making any excuses for the film because it's, it's done now <laughs> yeah, you, know, yeah. you gotta suck it up but uh, I used to think if I watched the film and, and certain things didn't work that oh that director obviously didn't know what he or she was doing mm. and they just don't have the skills necessary to pull the stuff off um, but I realize now that's just totally not the case it's no, like yeah. you know the, uh, for two thirds of this movie not only did I um, not two thirds but large sections of the movie not only did I not get the kind of um, try and execute it the way I planned, but I'm just happy that I got anything in the can. Yeah, yeah. You know, and uh, when you shoot formally, that's that's a big consideration. It just takes and and you want to uh, light it classically. It just takes time. Yeah, you know, yeah. You end up getting two or three takes, and sometimes that's not enough. Yeah, like, most yeah. times that's not enough, as far as I'm concerned. Right. Yeah, yeah. Because there is that that thing where like you can run things a million times. Because I, I know one of the things I was thinking about with like uh, getting feedback or trying to improve a scene is that I find a lot of people sometimes. 
And it is that feeling where you're like, we're changing things. This is great. Like we're working mm. and we're molding, but yeah. it's not always better as it is just different. Yeah, I and, agree. And that doesn't, that doesn't always, that doesn't always mean the same thing. I'm yeah. always trying to think about that. Like, what am I trying to do in this scene? And am I just telling them to do something different? And then they're yeah. doing what I'm telling them yeah. to do. So great. Yeah, I agree. But is that the right thing? Yeah. And it's like, even if it is different, is it interesting? Yeah. That's, that's the kind of question. You know, I remember um, I, there's a fairly famous quote by now where Nicholson talks about working with Kubrick. And he said, for years and years, you know, you'd work with directors and like, ah, we're going to get it, make it real this time. They've never seen it done real. Yeah. And, uh, and he said, then I worked with Kubrick. And he's like, yes, it's real, but it's not interesting. Right. And uh, which I think is a really kind of valid point. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I would say that is true for The Shining because some yeah. of his performance is pretty not not really real at all. No, but it yeah. It's very interesting and now iconic, obviously. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and, yeah. and there is so much of that where you get to see. And I guess. Um, uh, Wes Anderson, I've been watching a lot of Wes Anderson lately, mm. or we both have. Um, but yeah. uh, he's amazing. Yeah, and and that's another thing where it's not it's not real, mm-hmm. uh, but it is it's really interesting. Because, it is, yeah. And, well, he's a he's a perfect example of that. Yeah, that's so uh, idiosyncratic, though. I uh, I watched the Grand Budapest again. My yeah. girlfriend bought me. Uh, he, they got a book out of the making of. Oh, okay. There's a couple of Wes Anderson books out. They're really good. And uh, Grand Budapest is just fantastic. Yeah. I think it's his... I mean, I love all his films. I've, I've been in since Rushmore. Like, I love Rushmore yeah, when yeah. I was a kid. And I followed him closely. And, uh, yeah, his world is... Uh, um, it's, it's, it's great to have an artist whose voice... He's kind of like Tarantino in a way. Yeah. It's like you know what you're going to get and you don't at the same time. Like yeah. you, You're satisfied, but you're still kind of surprised and inspired at the same time. Mm-hmm. Which, is, uh, which is great about them. Yeah, yeah. And, and I, I, I always wonder, like... Because not every and not everybody has that like completely defined style. Like you mm-hmm. can't always watch a movie and be like, "This is this person. This yeah. is this person." Um, That's actually why I, like, I really like uh, P.T. Anderson. Okay, I think he's fascinating because um, I would say he's he's the strongest of those three guys in my opinion. But his style more or less completely changes every film. Right. So Boogie Nights, Magnolia, Punch Drunk. Uh, what else has he done? The Master. Yeah, there will be blood. It's fascinating. Like his signature is there, but he changes it up every time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's kind of an anomaly that way, I think. And and it is because I thought it was interesting with the Inaro too, because going from like a comedy to the least funny movie, right. the most stark. <laughs> yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. Which is more in line with his previous work, I think, because a lot of his stuff is fairly somber, fairly oh, okay. stark. Yeah, I, yeah. I actually I've only films. seen those two. Yeah, yeah. Birdman is kind of the standout in a way. Yeah, yeah, but Birdman is great. It's good to see Keaton back on the uh, back on the horse. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And he's he's fantastic in that movie. He is. I he think is. I liked like the outside. There's a lot of movies that I also just like the outside press like as much as the movie. Oh right, like, like with Deadpool coming out now. Right. I don't think I'm going to like Deadpool the movie. But yeah, yeah. I love their marketing. Man, they are uh, they are pushing that marketing very hard. They hey? are. Yeah. yeah. There's always something new and quirky kind of on the go. Yeah, yeah. I, my only my only apprehension about that is uh, uh, not that we need to talk about Deadpool too much, but right, yeah. uh, <laughs> is uh, Ryan Reynolds. He seems like he's kind of like. He's a charming, hilarious guy, but every movie he's in, I can't name really a great film that he's been in. No, I and I Van I, Wilder maybe the first one yeah, is pretty funny. I yeah. guess, yeah, yeah. He's he's a real victim to uh, to casting. Yeah, I think because that I mean I mean like the he was in that that Green Lantern movie, which is one of the worst movies I've ever seen. Yeah. Um, Have you seen? Uh, is it Just Friends or Best Friends? No. Where he plays. Uh, 
he was in a fat suit at the beginning, and he he, he was uh, he was in love with this girl from a small town, moved away, uh, got like all fit and handsome, comes back, and they rekindle. Uh, it's a oh, okay. classic rom com kind of stuff, but it's it's good. Yeah, it's early in his career. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, no, yeah. I haven't I haven't seen that because he kind of went from charming to schmarmy somehow. Yeah. I feel like when I see him. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that's why he's going to do well in this in this new movie. Yeah. I try not to carry too many people through. Like I know it, it's hard not to talk about superhero movies because fucking everything is a superhero movie now. But yeah, like, yeah. It was the same thing when they were like, Ben Affleck's going to be Batman. And they were like, no, Ben Affleck can't be Batman. Like, yeah. Yes, he can. He can yeah, be I know. whatever. Like, I know. Well, that's the problem with Twitter and all this bullshit is that people just, they get their opinions out there. They, yeah. Yeah. They just throw it out there. Yeah. yeah. And then some, for some reason it matters. Yeah. Like, to, like, well, people, I mean, the media picks up on it and stuff. I'm not on uh, social media. I don't have any problem with it. I think it's fascinating, but... Uh, you know, as soon as I heard about Facebook, I was like, "Oh God, that sounds horrible. Why, why would anyone want to do that?" <laughs> so you, you don't have any you don't uh, not, do no, it at no. all. No. Probably to my own detriment, career-wise. But I don't know. What are you going to do? It's a huge productivity sink. Is the, the big like I'm I'm yeah. downloading apps on my computer to block it now oh, instead yeah. of just getting rid of it. Like I, I know. Just, well, like, it takes discipline. Hey, I mean that's that's half the battle. Yeah, I think is really having that. That's the part. I'm I'm not sure how you feel about it, but um, uh. It's just challenging. I mean, because no one is waiting for your next <laughs> your next piece to come out, right? Yeah, yeah. You basically just need to wake up uh, in the morning and go. I mean, I guess that's where you need an idea, like I said, that kind of infects you. Mm-hmm. You need to wake up and you kind of want to solve that riddle. Not that you even want people to see it. It's just for you. Yeah. It's something that constantly turns you on. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, hopefully, you have those ideas, right? Yeah. 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 And and do you have do you have like a, a process that you've come into? Like, do you have like a set work day that you work out for yourself? Or uh, not really. It kind of varies because I do um, I'll do contract work like uh, TV shows and TV yeah. commercials on the side and some editing. But I, I do that kind of stuff less and less now because I'm I'm more fully committed to um, uh, doing my own work, right? And feature work in particular. Mm-hmm. Like you know, I've reached the point where it's like I don't want to wait any longer. Um, I don't want to sit on these ideas any longer. You need to own up your own ambition and kind of say no to jobs, right? And just and just put the time in writing and developing. Yeah. And so it's nice when you can get like you know at a stage now where you get paid to write and develop, which mm-hmm. makes it a hell of a lot easier. Right, you don't have to work the day job at the same time. Right, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I, I remember because there's like steps to that. Because I quit, I quit my day job. Yeah, and then I was like, oh, this is great. Like I'm getting all this writing done, and then I wasn't getting paid for that. So yeah, and I was picking up all these small jobs, and yeah. I was like, it's still great. I'm not working a day job, but it was like I was working a hundred tiny day jobs. <laughs> Like I know. In a row. I know. Um, and it's only now, like, I'm still, I, I still make most of my income off comedy, which I'm not complaining about at right. all. But that's the the switch that I'm trying to make in my career now is trying to move from that to, sure. to film. Yeah. And it's, uh, that's like, and it's always, I feel, I, I guess I will never be at a point where I'll be like, yep, did it. Perfect. And no, sit I, down I don't and imagine. Chill out now. If anything, I think the more success you have, um, the more pressure you put on yourself, right? I mean, I definitely feel that way. It's, I mean, I've never had a big success, but I've had, I've had moderate successes. And uh, if anything, you know, I'm just left feeling disappointed in the product. And it's like that's a weird thing, uh, not, not in a, or not in a depressing way, but in a way where you challenge yourself to do better. Right? It's not quite what you thought it would be, and you're always trying to kind of narrow that bridge between what you hope the project will be and what it ended up being. Mm-hmm. You know, ideally, a those two would align, or in in the most ideal scenario, it would be even better than you imagined. Right. right? Whether or not that happens, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Because I, I think that can happen when you if you do something that's like uh, non scripted and like and, and loose and improvisational. I can imagine that can really yield satisfying results. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I that's what, what I'm trying to do now is just open things up with just 
and and I think this is going to help the budgeting issue, which I always have, which is because I'm I'm always in there with like set pieces. Right, right. Friggin the stupid feature that I had, I was like, this guy would be great if it was Jason Statham, and it was like, well, that should be a red flag right there. You can't get him. Uh, <laughs> but it's good, it's good to dream big, but you need to be uh, realistic too. Right? Yeah, yeah. Because I I I think um uh I can't remember who said it. Uh, I think it was Seth Myers. Maybe one of the Seths. One of the Seths said that, but he was like, he, he was like, don't. He was like, don't be surprised when nobody wants to take a big risk on your thirty million dollar spec script. Yeah, right? exactly. Like that's that's not something that you can give to somebody. Because uh, I always hear like, hold on to that stuff for, you know, if you're looking for like an agent or something like that, like a writing agent, you can give them this yeah. twenty million, thirty million dollar movie, and just to show that you can write that kind of thing. But I think in a way, I don't. Maybe it's just me, but I find it way easier to write. A huge when when the sky's the limit budget wise than to write something that can actually be made. Yeah, I find it like easier the other way. Yeah, I agree. And it's amazing too how many times people like set themselves up for disappointment because they're not being realistic. Like realistic. I mean, if if you have like, you know, like a transsexual merman story set in Alport, Newfoundland. Right. You know, if you make it and it doesn't get a lot of, of, of press or praise, it's like, well, there's probably a reason for that. Right. right? I mean, <laughs> you have to write some, your expectations have to be in line with what you're making. Right. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, whereas a lot of people don't think that. I mean, I think they make something, if it doesn't set the world on fire, then they kind of, they're hard on themselves and they give up. Right. Right. Yeah. Whereas, um, you know, um, writing to your means is, uh, I mean, it's a lesson that they always tell people when they're starting off, but I mean, it's the most tried and true one, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it is, it's working in that box. Yeah. Too, because that's, and, and that's what I'm thinking with, like, letting letting scenes breathe and letting, because that's all time. Like, you're also, like, eating up time, right? With, and, without a doubt. You know, so, the, and, and when you get that kind of thing out there, like, I guess you don't want to go so improvisational that you're like, oh, I got to throw the ending in the garbage now. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to use that. But yeah, like, yeah. Yeah, because uh, yeah, I guess it's a there's there's sort of a, a teetering. Well, I think a lot of people too, uh, like I'm guilty of it sometimes. I'm I'm really trying to break out of it now, but they work too much in a vacuum. Um, you know, uh, if you if you aim to have work that's seen by a lot of people on a large stage, then you need to get it in early stages of development and attach people to it who are going to help you realize realize that. Right. And you know, and you need to have multiple projects in the pipeline. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's no secret that's the key. You can't just like. Um, you know, uh, stay in for four years writing this thing and not show anyone and then realize, why, you know, uh, when you finally come out with it, no one wants to make it. Right. You know, it's, uh, yeah. Yeah, because uh, I, I know, like, when I'm, because whenever I apply for anything, a big part of it is what have you made, mm-hmm. right? So, like, that's what you have to show. Like, you have to show that you've done stuff. Exactly. To get something else. So if you're only working on that one project and you don't have anything to show to back it up, mm-hmm. like you have to, even even if those projects aren't perfect, because they won't be, nothing ever is, but if you're getting that stuff out there, then that's something, like as the years go on, I, I go back to the same applications I've been filling out every year. Yeah. And they get easier every year because it's like, oh, I actually have yeah, something. more to show. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah you get a bit of a name for yourself. I agree. I agree. Um, so when, uh, like, were you were you always like, making shorts with the goal of making features or was it just did, uh, yeah, yeah definitely yeah yeah even as soon as i went to uh film school um i knew i wanted to make i wanted to be a director and do features uh you know i i imagined in my wildest dreams that it would have happened much much sooner yeah. than it has i think we all do. i think everybody would yeah, think that yeah. yeah exactly why wasn't i doing this when i was 10 god <laughs> i'm the same guy yeah exactly <laughs> uh but i think part of it too is like having the confidence like I feel like in ways, um, you know, I was 10 years out of film school before I made my first feature. Right. 
And a big part of it was I just didn't have the confidence to do it sooner. I feel like I had uh, the capabilities. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm not saying the film would have necessarily been any good. Right. But uh, I could have started the ball rolling and and started making films, which is the the biggest part. Yeah. Um, And so uh, that's something I've kind of come to realize. And I don't want to make that mistake moving forward. Like like we were talking about earlier, you need to have multiple projects in different stages of development. And hopefully you're making films every every two, three years. Yeah. uh, If that is, in fact, your goal. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so, and you were talking about like you're, you're sort of teetering about LA, like you think about LA uh, a little bit more, just because um, you want to attach talent, uh, you want a certain amount of funding to tell specific stories, and there's no shortcuts to do that. Right, you have to play by certain rules, and that typically means going to bigger centers. Uh, Toronto, uh, I think, can kind of help, but I mean, obviously, LA. There's not really much comparison between the two, right? Yeah. Just in terms of the mechanics of attaching people to your project. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I don't really sit around and fantasize about living in a house uh, in the hills in LA. Yeah, that's yeah. never something that I've really kind of um, been a goal of mine. Right. But I do want people to see my work, and I do want to make work that, at its heart, ideally uh, has a commercial aspect. Right. Yeah. yeah. And, and I, when I was on VOCM talking about moving to Toronto, they were. Uh, Mark Critch called in mm-hmm. and that's sort of what he said was he was like just go away and make money and then come home and pay your taxes in Newfoundland yeah, I was yeah. like oh that's a great way to think of it yeah, like yeah. it's just like go there do what you need to do and then come back and make it work well here. Newfoundland is so great I think it's like I could always picture myself we'll see how it goes but um, at least spending part of the year here and certainly kind of uh, writing and developing uh, stuff here yeah A I think you're surrounded by great storytellers that's mm-hmm. such a great part of being home yeah um, and uh, for me you know uh, if you grow up with a strong family family is always a bit of a lure too I find yeah you know your parents getting older maybe I'm just a softie but it's, it's kind of hard <laughs> it's kind of harder to, to kind of leave and move away yeah in, in ways but uh, I, I fight against that a bit more lately because I, I you know I think you you don't want to look back and say I didn't fully go for it. Yeah, yeah. Or you don't want to live your life for for anyone else. You have to kind of you have to chase it. Yeah, for and, sure. Uh, even if you fail, I mean, uh, actually, it's, it's getting too cheesy now. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna come out with no. All these, I, got, I need all this these on like a, on, on a background with trees <laughs> yeah, on it. Exactly. Like, even if you I'll fail. cut myself off here. Yeah. <laughs> but there's a uh, yeah because it's one of the things that I like about uh, Cast No Shadow and. Uh, um, Breakers. Mm-hmm. I saw Breakers at the festival last year, and it's like they're they're films that could not really take place anywhere but Newfoundland, right? But it's not like a, it's not a tourism commercial, exactly. You know, yeah, yeah. like it's uh, it's it's colored by where it's shot in the same way. Like I think of like in Bruges, right? Where it's like that couldn't really be shot everywhere, but it's not like yeah, I'm exactly. not like can't wait to go to Bruges after this. <laughs> like it's just like that. These are the cool, unique things about. Definitely. These places. Well, I um, think that's, uh, like, you know, our generation, I think, is different than our parents' generation in that I certainly don't feel compelled to tell the Newfoundland story. Right. You know, if a story happens to be set here, or if, like, funding and situation dictates that I shoot it here, mm-hmm. then I'm not going to try and shy away from that. Right. But uh, it's not one of my main goals, is to kind of wave the Newfoundland flag around. Yeah. 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 It's, uh, whereas I think that wasn't the same way, uh, you know, even 20 years ago. I think mm-hmm. it was very different. Right. Yeah, yeah. But it does play into the, uh, the like, the theme and the feel of 
of Cast No Shadow I found was just like those because you have those long shots, you have the terrifying woods. Well, that yeah, well, that's very much that's and... very much Joel too, right? I mean, the story it comes from that small uh, outport kind of town that yeah, he grew yeah. up in, so that really informs it to try and shoot it anywhere else. I mean, it was a luxury to shoot in these places anyway. I mean, yeah. Having said that, I, I obviously love Newfoundland visually; it's stunning. Oh yeah, if you can use that to your advantage, mm-hmm. uh, then why not? Yeah, because also... that's what I love. I love the gray Newfoundland. Yeah, because I don't recognize the sunny vibrant I know beautiful. I actually do a lot of work for New Philatores so yeah yeah I shoot a bunch of stuff for them with Penny actually yes yeah I know yeah. and uh, I know a lot of people kind of complain about that but I mean it's advertising at the yeah, end well, of the day. No, no, no one said hair. it was for uh, yeah. it was supposed to be real yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. it's for blue hairs in, in Ontario yeah yeah, yeah. and the uh, and like it, it worked in, in Doyle because mm-hmm. they wanted the color and the small town and the and the downtown yeah, yeah. sort of feel yeah. for, for Doyle so it, it sort of it worked for that but uh, like using the the gray and stuff the, 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 that that overcast that we always have and using that is, yeah. uh, is, a, is a really interesting thing that well, you I don't think, see as often I think you could, you could still draw people here by like if you gave it that kind of um, I, I say you could draw people but I don't know how many but if you made it really exclusive if you gave it that kind of dark romantic Scandinavian kind of bent yes, almost yeah, like a yeah. darker kind of fairy tale I think you could still sell it that way to an exclusive kind of club yeah. uh, Fogo is a good is a good example I think you could market that place in that way yeah. uh, where you'd see Newfoundland ad- advertising in a totally different kind of light yeah. and I think it would be great so they've got like a hotel up on stilts yeah they've got a right? hotel up on like stilts a... and it's just so rugged and harsh out there mm-hmm. and you know the old uh, way of life is still very much alive yeah. as much as it can be in 2016 and um, I think it's kind of like a an untapped potential to kind of try and market it that way. I mean, whether or not someone's going to give you a couple hundred grand to try and sell it from that angle. Right. I mean, it's it's a risky proposition. Yeah, that's like a Vice article or something. It like, kind of is, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, it depends on how... Um, yeah, again, I think you I think you could just romanticize the stark kind of romantic quality of this right. landscape in a way that tourism doesn't at right. all. Go yeah. out and pay two thousand dollars to live in a burned out bus in the middle of the woods. <laughs> yeah, like, exactly. Like, it is a cool With vacation. A crack pipe. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Did you like uh, where? Where is that cave? The cave is um, well. It's a couple of places. The outside is on Bell Island, so okay. all the kind of cliffs and the um, and that cave wore Bell Island. Okay, uh, I was scouting it with the cinematographer Scott uh, a couple of years ago. We were just over there smoking weed, just driving around the island. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, in the middle of winter, we saw this cave. Yeah. And uh, once I, I uh, was talking to Joel, I was like, I knew that. I was like, oh, I know exactly where we're going to shoot this. Right, yeah. And that worked well. But the inside of the cave is actually on Southside Road. Um, oh. Across from somewhere to keep the boats. There's these old um, bunkers uh, where they now kind of grow mushrooms. And that's where he comes to the end and sees a shadow on the wall. Yeah, that's yeah. All, uh, uh, that's all on Southside Road. Oh, cool. Yeah, we just dragged some generators in there and stuff. And oh, wow. And, and made some like fake lactites so that the... Because the tunnel is actually man-made. And kind of you can see. Yeah. So we just made uh, Xavier, the production designer, who's a super talented guy. Yeah. He made those. And to kind of break up the tunnel, it was uh, it was cool. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We did a lot with a little. Yeah, because uh, the, the, beaches, the beaches that you found in that cave itself, like inside and out, is just gorgeous. It and, is. Yeah, and, the production value is high. is that actually the, the beach that you shot, like when he falls off? Is that the same beach that's outside that you see from above, or is that a different? Uh, it was. It was a slightly no. When he actually jumped in the water, when he fell in the water, when we cut the Percy, who's like has a rope that's yeah. um, that's uh, Bell Island. Okay. But when you cut the Gavin in the water, that was actually Middle Cove. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. 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 And it was actually it was October. <laughs> it was, I remember when it was this fairly was being shot. Yeah, yeah, it was fairly treacherous. We just yeah. chucked the kid in the ocean. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, we he did it twice actually. Did he? Yeah, yeah, he was a trooper. 
But uh, yeah, he was amazing. But we um, we had safety people in the yes, water, yeah, so yeah. it wasn't. No, it we wasn't didn't actually like, chuck him in the water. Yeah, with a rope tied yeah. around his waist or something. <laughs> exactly. Like, we'll bring him back. It's fine. Yeah, yeah. When you come up with just. But a even rope, doing you're like, that, oh, it's no. like when I think back on it, like that part of the movie. That's a lesson I learned in the movie. We were talking about lessons earlier too. It's like um, a lot of the opening of the movie we actually shot in the first couple of days of production, mm-hmm. which I wouldn't want to do again. Which is a, a good thing to learn because. The characters are still finding out who they are. Makeup and wardrobe are still kind of tweaking. And right. Like, you know, if you're starting the movie, people tune out in the first couple of minutes if yeah. it's not firing kind of on all so, cylinders. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so that was one of the things I struggled with the most in that movie. It's like, you know, in order to shoot a kid falling off a cliff into the ocean and someone rescuing him, to shoot shoot that the way you want to, it's, uh, it was kind of beyond our means. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so... Uh, um, I think it could have been helped by shooting it later in the schedule, but uh, it's good you, you you make that mistake and you learn from it. Right. right. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um. So, do you have? Uh, I guess like a, a, this is like the the originally the podcast was supposed to be about like just talking about the movie that you really want to make that you could never mm. make, um, but it's never worked. Um, <laughs> still, still has never worked. I don't think did it. I think we talked about it talked about it we always try to talk about it but it's yeah, yeah. never the idea that i've that i've thought but i like this more so yeah. i'm gonna i'm putting that on the table i nice. like this more um well we can jump around yeah uh, how are how are we doing for time fine just over an hour now yeah just over an hour. okay cool. cool um so yeah do you do you have anything like that you've like that you thought about like really early in your writing career that you were like i really want to do this i can't wait and that's sort of just been kept stayed on that queue like all the way down Kind of, yeah. I developed a film about five years ago um, uh, at the film center that I really like. Yeah. Um, uh, that seemed to go over really well, but it's a it's a bigger budget and it's a, it's a bigger world. It actually takes place up north on this remote island up north, and it's about a teacher who goes to this kind of remote town and uh, a substitute teacher and starts teaching uh, with these native children. Mm-hmm. And uh, one by one, these kids kind of start disappearing. Okay. So it's kind of a crime thriller in uh, in a small northern town oh, that cool. deals a lot with kind of like... Um, uh, it has kind of slight dark kind of magical elements and like the transformative power of nature. And it really talks about some of the issues up there without delving kind of too deeply into them. Right. It's, uh, it's a project that I, uh, I really like. But uh, it's an endeavor. I mean, the idea of just... A, I mean, you don't want to be too pejorative. You want to, like, you need to be fully informed about what's going on up yes, there. Get yeah. consent, get feedback, change the script mm-hmm. uh, based on kind of the information you gather. Because I've written it from kind of like uh, the treatment anyway, from on my couch in a privileged, I've never spent time. Yes, up yeah, north. Yeah. So, you know, that along with just the uh, the realities of filming up north is, uh, is bringing a crew up there is, is a huge, huge endeavor. Right. Um, so that's kind of one. Um, I, I have another one. Um, the one I'm doing now is like the film I really want to make. Uh, you know, that's I'm really, really passionate yeah, about yeah. it. Uh, I'm pretty excited about that. Um, it's based off, I had a friend of mine who uh, who moved out west and uh, out to BC and uh, he got pretty big into the drug game. Yeah. And he used to travel down to Seattle and stuff at boat, uh, by boat, kind of bringing weight down and he'd yeah. wait for it to get distributed and travel back. Uh, and his parents lived in Seattle at the time and they didn't know he was in town so he'd go down and be doing deals and stuff they didn't know. Okay. So what happens is kind of like the film opens with this guy's uh, father kind of parked at a red light. Uh, little unbeknownst to the father, the, the, the son, the deal went bad that the son was doing when he was bringing drugs over. He fled the scene with this girl on a motorcycle so the father's parked uh, at the stoplight sees the son zip by right it's like the kind of opening scene he's like what the fuck is going on yeah yeah he goes to follow the son not realize the son's being chased the person who's chasing the son rams into the father he's kind of knocked unconscious 
he kind of he he kind of snaps out of it, you know, comes to, and he could either kind of like uh, call the cops, but it'll put his son in danger. He could tell his wife, but she'd probably lose his mind, or or she'd lose her mind. Yeah. Or he could go and try and kind of find the son on his own. So it's about this like kind of dark odyssey of him going into this criminal underworld, trying to kind of find his son oh, cool. in this one day. Right. Yeah. 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 So it's like interacting from the outside of a different story. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. it takes place kind of in the suburbs, like in the morning. So it's like it's really pulpy and kind of violent, but at the same time has kind of really rich themes of kind of family. And, like, you know, the setup for, for the story is, like, the kind of the father kind of always knew what the son was up to but never really said anything or never really right. did anything about it because that's oftentimes how family operates. Right? Yeah, yeah. You know, you, the people you love the most, you actually don't call them on their bullshit. Right. And so it deals with how, you know, what starts as a little secret we tell ourselves ultimately turns into, you know, the biggest the biggest secret you could ever keep. Right. right. So uh, that's some of the themes I'm dealing with with this film. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's that's neat. Yeah, that's, I feel pretty good about it. I guess that is the thing about this is that those those exciting ideas do tend to move themselves right to the front of the line as soon as they can possibly get there. Yeah, well, right? certain yeah. certain things, it's like, well, it's uh, it's real time. There's like a cast of three or four people. Um, you know, it's pulpy, so it's kind of commercial. Um, so right away, you're like, it checks off all these boxes. Yeah, yeah. And you're like, you know, like, if I make this film and do it properly, then that will allow me to get the budget for the Northern film, for example. Right, yeah, And yeah. get a much bigger budget and attach bigger actors. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you try and do that one first, it's, uh, it's challenging. Yeah, yeah. And you, you know, don't want to, you don't want to, like, because I guess when you get a big budget, if you don't make something that reflects that budget then it's harder to well, get well they won't money. even give you the budget right yeah they just won't give it to you to right. begin with right and even that movie in general I mean it's not a it's a it's a very much a big dark art film yeah right so it's like unless you prove yourself in a more kind of commercial landscape then no one's really going to look at you yeah and so it's you have to make some of those choices I mean you could say fuck it I'm going to make it on my own I don't care what the uh, what the industry thinks or what mm-hmm. the market thinks but I mean you know to mix results yeah um, that's another thing I'm also considering um I've been talking to Michael Crummy. He, he his book that came out a couple of years, Sweetland. You know that book? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Have you read it? I haven't. No. Okay. I, yeah. I've, I've just read River Thieves. Was the last one I read by him. Yeah. So the the, the premise is basically, um, you know, this is old man Moses Sweetland who's living in this outpour town, and the government's trying to get everyone to kind of resettle. Yeah. They're paying everyone a hundred grand or whatever, mm-hmm. and Moses is the last holdout. Right. He doesn't know why. He just kind of doesn't want to move, and he's getting kind of death threats and things from the townsfolk. Everyone's really putting the pressure on him. Yeah. And finally, he kind of caves, but he gets cold feet at the last minute, and he hides out basically up on the plains above the town everyone moves out of the town and then he comes back and lives in this ghost town for the next year wow. on his own and slowly but surely kind of loses his mind because yeah. he's like 80 years old and you know and the physical task of not having light power he has to get all his food yeah yeah so to me it's like it's a beautiful idea and the idea in this day and age of like someone who the world is changing and adapting kind of like social media we yes, were talking yeah, about yeah. But he, he doesn't he doesn't want to change. Mm-hmm. He kind of wants to hold to what he knows. Yeah. I love that idea. Yeah, I think it's only going to become more prevalent. Mm-hmm. But so for me, like that's a great film. Um, but it's not a commercial film at all. Two thirds of the film are this eighty year old man living by himself right. in the woods. Yeah, yeah. Or in, in, in this abandoned town. Right. So it's like you have to decide. Um, I guess what kind of filmmaker, what kind of artist do you want to be? Do you want to yeah. be someone who's going to make a film like that, even if it's not commercial? Or do you want to? Or do you want to not? Yeah. Or do you want to wait and make something that is more commercial, and then maybe pay for that? Yeah, the spotlight yeah. will will then be on you a bit more, and you can get you can get a name actor, and suddenly it becomes more viable. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, you try and slot all your different ideas into that kind of puzzle. Yeah, I heard a, I heard an interview with Hugh Jackman actually, who's like. He says, like, every time he does a Wolverine movie, that's to pay for a Broadway performance that he's allowed to do. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, he, like he, he weighs those two things where yeah. he goes on screen and, screen and yells and flexes his muscles. And then yeah, he goes exactly. out and gets to sing to the masses, which is what he really wants to do. Yeah, which is pretty good, though. I mean, if you can do both of those things, I mean, that's a... Um... 
That's a luxury. Yeah, and yeah. The simple fact that you're getting to make films at all is pretty is pretty fantastic. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That uh the, the outboard idea is something for me that uh I I love in and and the idea of resettlement mm-hmm. is something that really sticks with me. Um I've got a a, a horror movie that I'm thinking about. Cool. Around uh, in uh, have you heard of McCallum? I haven't. McCallum is like a it's like an hour and a half ferry ride. Um, so it has like natural built-in isolation, which is something outports have that mm-hmm. you know you don't really yeah, find it's a great anywhere setting. else. Yeah. And it's it's a crazy setting. And one of the things I was reading, and, and like you're talking about the holdout, mm. is also a crazy idea where ninety percent of the people have to agree to resettle. Yep. Um, and McCallum had a vote, and they had seventy-five percent said yes. Yeah. And twenty-five percent said no, no and they no deal. They yeah. can't go. Yeah. Um, which is a really interesting idea of seventy-five percent of the people in this town don't want to be there anymore. Yeah, um, and there's they're just being held out by this really small amount, and there's something really like that, that, and that's something the rest of the world you never hear about, right? No, I agree, and uh, but I think a lot of people can, like we talked about, relate to that the idea that you know you're supposed to change, everyone's telling you to change, but in your guts you don't feel like it or you don't want to, even if you can't quite explain why. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I mean, that's why I like about Sweetland too. Like he's left on his own in this town for like a year or two and he just keeps working. Yeah. He doesn't really change anything. Right. You know, he just sticks to his routine. Yeah. And uh, there, there is like a question of like, is that right? Or is it like, is there a right answer in that situation? Yeah, yeah. Like, There's not really. I think in the years that come, we're going to see a lot more films and even horror films because I've thought similar things. It's like, Outport, Newfoundland is just a fantastic setting yeah. uh, for horror films or for, for kind of like dark thrillers and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think we're going to see more and more of those, which yeah. is great. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it's funny too because I mentioned – and you talk about like this sort of fantasy element that comes into things. And mm-hmm. uh, I, uh, I noticed in Cast No Shadow – you have the Lovecraft anthologies, right? Yeah, yeah. Things that she, so it's like yeah. Lovecraft a, an inspiration for you? Uh, yeah, I certainly read his stuff growing up. I think it was more actually in this case, um, uh, Joel. Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. Joel um, suggested that would be what the boy is reading because we wanted to kind of like down in his little crawl space where he collects. That was the original name of the film, actually. Crawl space. What's crawl space? Okay. Yeah, yeah. But there was an American. There was a horrible American film called Crawl Space uh, last year. Curse them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm happy enough with Castle Shadow though. No, it, it is. Really um, nice. And so uh, yeah, he has all those pictures of trolls and all his little kind of gold, all these garbage that he's painted gold. Yeah. And uh, and Joel had the idea that he would have books and, and Lovecraft was his idea. Yeah. And it's perfect tonally for the subject. It is because I was thinking about that. With with his, uh, it's like a, a sort of madness type because that's a lot it of is. Lovecraft is like that madness and yeah exactly like am I, what is what I'm thinking like an actual supernatural event or am I just going a little bit bonkos yeah like, and it actually ties him to her because she's the one who has that book and yeah. she has all these books at her house mm-hmm. we actually had this um, we had this uh, storyline that we've completely removed from the the film whereby. Um, uh, early in the film, uh, his dad's getting to deal drugs, obviously, and he hides some drugs up in up in the shed, yeah. up in the attic of his shed. And later on, um, you know, when he's desperate to kind of, um, uh, he gets beaten up at the dance and he doesn't have drugs to kind of bring back to his dad. Yeah, he goes to get the drugs that were stored up in the shed. And when he hauls the bucket, there's actually a book in there that she's put in place of the drugs, uh, which was a nice little thread that kind of speaks to storytelling and connects them even further. But just in in terms of pacing and stuff, we had to we had to cut it. Right. Yeah. yeah. We cut a bunch of stuff from the movie. Actually. Right. Oh, did you? Yeah. It was painful well, when you look back stage? on it. 
you know, probably after you do the rough cut, rough cut with everything in there, and then yeah. you get some feedback. And people didn't necessarily tell us to cut it, but I just felt like the film would be stronger if we squat it down to kind of 90 minutes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, whether or not that was the right choice, I don't know. I, th- I still think we probably could have made it work. But uh, you get you, sometimes you get cold feet. You get to a point where you're when you're editing, you're in a zone where you're like, "This is not working. We're failing. We, ha- <laughs> we, ha- we have to fix it." Yeah. And then you know, six months, you're like, "Oh well, maybe if I had been a bit more patient and finessed it a bit more, it could have worked." Right. But it's done. But now. that's in the that's in the sinking boat with the bucket of water. Yeah. It's like, no, exactly. get, get it out, get it out. We exactly. Gotta, yeah. 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 I find that so the the kill your darlings mantra, which is like something that comes up all the time in yeah. writing. People are like, "Kill your darlings, kill yeah. your darlings," and we cut a, a, a scene out of this horror movie that didn't end up getting made that I loved. Right. And I could not picture the movie without it. And did you not want to kill it? Or, or you I were, didn't want to kill it, yeah. no. And But then, uh, at one point, like it got suggested to me. Right. And I looked at the script, and I was like, if we cut that scene, I don't have to change anything else in the script. And like Ross, who was producing it, just kind of looked at me for a second, and I was like, yeah, I guess it didn't, didn't have to be in there. <laughs> that's the truth because, yeah, yeah. You know, it's like just doesn't I know for me the, the hardest part is when you think about um, how much time and money you spent on the day yeah that you could have used for to, something to, else yeah to fine tune what's actually made the film yeah that's the, that's the biggest kind of kick in the balls yeah. yeah but there is a lot of stuff like that like you because especially with that scene like you've set up that idea mm-hmm. and so like there's there's a purpose for the idea like it, it yeah like, works with problems that are in the film <laughs> yeah exactly and, and stuff like that and so. i kind of feel like i let joel down because he wrote a great script and like that works beautifully in the script and i wasn't able to pull it off I feel like <laughs> <Yeah>. it was... <laughs> but they but are gotta... they're two different worlds right like, yeah yeah on the page they the are screen. they are yeah. yeah yeah well that's the luxury of being a writer you know a lot of times you can you can sit down and you don't have to um you don't have uh 20 crew who are just kind of staring at you waiting for you to make a decision right right? yeah yeah you're just drinking a coffee in your pajamas on the couch yeah exactly that's what if if i can't do a job in my pajamas i usually don't want to do it (laughs) yeah exactly yeah yeah cool yeah that's uh that that, and that's something like thinking about with with bigger crews and stuff like too i know like my first time film i I had 12 12 people or something Mm -hmm. on set for a short film which Mm -hmm. was brand new for me because it was usually i was everything yeah, and then there was, and then in the last horror shoot or the last horror challenge that I did, Penny was also there, so he was right. doing lights and camera, yeah, yeah, and then I was everything else, yeah. Um, and then all of a sudden, I had all these things, and I was running to do jobs, and they were like, "Stand by the fucking monitor, yeah. and don't move, exactly. like just stand there." Other people are going to do that stuff, and I was like, "But are they? Are they, they going to be mad?" <laughs> well, at that's me if the I best lesson, though. Things? I think as a director, I would I would give the same thing. It's like learning how to stand by the monitor is a real skill that you can only acquire over time. Yeah, because yeah, you're like a chicken with your head cut off. You're afraid nothing's going to get done. Yeah, yeah. But learning how to use your crew effectively, I think it's a lifelong kind of thing. You know, yeah. you're always working at it. But uh, if you can do that well, then you're probably in a good in a good place. Yeah. Yeah, because that's why they're there. I mean, you know, people want you to trust them. They want to do a good job. Exactly. They don't yeah. want you running over trying to do it for them. Right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, that, and that's actually what ends up pissing people off. Yeah. It's like uh, if you're because I, I know like and by the end of that shoot, I had learned a whole bunch of stuff because by the end of the shoot, I was too tired to think about other people's stuff. Yeah. So I just stopped and then I was just right with the actors and I was right with the camera. Yeah, yeah. Which was right where I needed to be and I wasn't thinking about like our next setup. Exactly, and thinking about where the camera had to go for that next setup. Because exactly. if I'm thinking about that, I'm not. In You're not this. fully focused. I agree. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's usually a luxury of time, hey. Yeah, yeah. Having the time and uh, and learning this kind of stand by the monitor. Having a good AD is key, though. If you don't have a good AD, it's very difficult to do. Right. That. Yeah. Because yeah, that's yeah. that's them is sort of running around, and that was the thing too. Because I, I honestly like I would look through the credits of a movie, 
and understand three titles yeah. of people doing things until what I was on set. Did. Yeah, yeah. And then once I get on set, it's like, oh, well, the gaffer's going to move that. And I'm like, oh, that's yeah. what gaffer means. Like, yeah. what a weird word they chose. I know. It's weird, though. Sometimes I feel like, yeah, I like small crews. Yeah. I like to work with smaller crews and moving forward. It's just kind of hard to do. Like, even when you say, okay, this time we're going to do it small, we're going to do it intimate. Yeah. Inevitably... The fucking, the fucking thing balloons and, yeah. you know and, and and it's hard when you have that many people to a lot of people to answer to because I find a lot of times certainly when shooting formally that you feel like the whole machine is working against you yeah you know it's nothing that anyone specifically is doing it's just the the friction of having all these people working together in a small space yeah it, it causes it causes issues yeah and, and so, there's also like a lack of uh, like responsibility in, in some of those cases too because mm-hmm. when there's more people there's more people to delegate to, which yeah. means they're like, if I'm not doing my job, there's someone else to pick up my slack. Yeah. Whereas a smaller group of people is like, I have to do this because no one else is and going people, to. And people enjoy, like, you know, it's like they're saying, you know, if you want a job, don't give this someone who already has two jobs. Yeah. It's like that's, and, and I think that's true for film crews as well. It's like, you know, if you have a smaller crew and people are kept busier, they're happier. Yeah. And it's more productive in general. There's nothing, there's nothing worse than seeing like four people fight over getting a stand. Right. Yeah. You know, because yeah. they're just, you know, who, who wants to sit around for half the day? Yeah. You know, it's yeah. not, it's not, it's not a good place to be. Yeah. Cause you're working in, in film and I, I think I've said this on this probably four or five times already, but like, I always think of it with, uh, there's easier ways to make money. Yeah. Like nobody's on there for the paycheck. Like the paycheck is awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's great and everybody loves it, but yeah. it's that's not the only reason people are there. No. So the more jobs people have, the more they feel like I'm actually affecting Yeah. Like I'm gonna show people this movie and be like, I was somewhat responsible for this. Yeah. You know, like Well it's funny, I often think about film I'm not a uh, surprisingly not a huge fan of, of, of being on set. Oh no. Uh, um I, I I don't it depends. I mean but I often question if I wasn't directing uh, would I enjoy it? Right, and and you know um, that's just I I don't know if I have an answer for that. Yeah, because it can be it can be tough. Yeah, and it can be um, you know just serving uh, the machine and the production can be challenging, can be thankless at times. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so I have I have the utmost res- respect for crews, but uh, I don't know if I, how well I would do in other positions sometimes, or if right. I, or or not how well I would do, but if I'd be happy. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, yeah. I've I've worked lots of daily shifts on in different positions and uh, like I work a background mm-hmm. all the time um, which is like both it's like the easiest job in the world once you've done it three or four times because yeah, yeah. you just know your whole job is to stand there and not get in anyone's yeah. way you but, don't need to overcomplicate it yeah yeah, yeah. and and the like the, that was the thing was anytime I was like being like a, a, a grip daily or something like that mm. then it's like I'm going to set up the stand I'm going to stand here and I'm not going to get in anyone's way and mm. that is the whole thing but the uh, the thing that I was thinking that whole time was like I'm not in this position to eventually become a gaffer. Right. I was like I want to do this because I want to know who is telling this department what to do. Like I want to see where the director is like positioning themselves in in relation to this yeah. department. Yeah. Um. And it, it's all with a goal towards eventually standing in that director's position, not sort of sure. Yeah. 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 Well, I think that's something that we can relate upon. I mean, it's. But I, I, like I said, I have the utmost respect. Like seeing someone run a department um, who's really good at it and yeah. knows how to how to make their people work for them and the production is, is fantastic. Yeah, yeah, I mean, if you can find those people, you should really hold on to them because mm-hmm. it's uh, yeah. I'm lucky that way too. I, I've got a great collaborative team. Like I've been working with Allison White, yes, who, yeah. uh, who's produced. Uh, we you know we've worked on pretty much everything together. Who's fantastic um, and just such a sweetheart. You know, Allison. 
Uh, I don't I don't know her personally, but I know yeah, yeah. her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's great. And uh, Scott McClellan, who's the DP. Yeah, uh, yeah, really talented guy. And Xavier George, who's the production designer. So it's nice when you can kind of work um, on multiple projects with people. You have that shorthand. It goes yeah. a long way. Yeah, yeah. And I, I love watching that. Like watching a, a like a DOP to just like walk into a room and be like, just look around for a couple of seconds and be like, I need this here, this here, this here, yeah. this here, and then. On top of that, have the gaffer standing there just looking at the same thing and just going, yeah, and then just going and yeah, doing yeah. it. Yeah, and it's I awesome. understand two words that came out of their mouths the whole time, but then in the just super quick time, it just goes down the chain and all these people do the thing and, and they then start all of a sudden working. they're ready to go. Yeah, yeah, the machine, the machine kicks in the gear. And it is like, that's an amazing, and, and I feel like I want to be that good at anything mm-hmm. in general. Like, it well, cinematography matter. is. Um, it is um, a kind of a thing to behold. Like conceptually, mm-hmm. if you don't really know where to pl- where to put lights and how and how the premise works, it can be you know it's kind of mind blowing to people. Cinematographers yeah. they look at them like wow that's like that they're magic. Yeah, it is. You know, it yeah, does yeah. look like magic and yeah. uh, like just knowing like w- watching like sound guys know sort of like who like where where they need to stand and where their mics need to go and mm-hmm. they don't need the instruction like yeah, yeah. nobody needs to worry about that and all the departments just fill in the blanks well it's wicked when you can work with people who are great at their job to the point where they're it doesn't stress them out and they're laid back and people respect yeah. them it's 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 just great to surround yourself with those people if yeah. you can yeah cuz that uh that that idea of everything being a frantic sweating panicked mm-hmm. room is kind of a myth i think well, most of the time, like there, there is like a rush, rush, rush. Yeah. Every once in a while, but it's not, it's not people panicking. It's just people doing stuff quickly. Yeah, yeah. Because they, because they have to, and they're trying to save time and money. But it's not. I, I never like the the people that I see that I think are like pros. Like they're not sweating doing these things. They yeah. just have a list of things they're trying to do as quickly as possible. Yeah, exactly. And you don't want to let people see you sweat. Is I think yeah. it inside. I know a lot of times, like you feel the tension, but you know, over time, I'm sure you can relate it as well. You just get better at managing it. Right. You know, you basically like, um, I can't remember what the saying is. It starts off as a waltz, but ends as a, not a jive, <laughs> some, some, <laughs> some, some fast dance. Right. And uh, and that's often the way it is. It's like, I find a lot of times you start off trying to perfect everything and, and, you, and you know, get get the sense of, uh, establish a look and a feel that you want to carry through. And then by the end of the day, you're kind of cutting corners. Inside, you're kind of panicking, but you try not to show it. Right, right? Yeah, yeah. And you realize that hopefully... Um, well, that's a funny dynamic. Part of, part of me says you realize hopefully that's just a film, and if you don't get it, you you can get it eventually. But at the same time, I think you need to do everything in your power to try and get it while you can. Yeah. Because you're the one who has to live with it at the end of the day. You're right. the one who's going to be sitting with it in the edit room for six months. Yeah, yeah. And no one cares how or why um, you didn't get it. Yeah. You know, there's it's no just sense what's complaining there. to anyone. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you can only talk about what's there, and that is the thing about you know killing your darlings is nobody's gonna watch the movie and be yeah, like exactly. I feel like there's a scene in a bar that's missing here like they'll just be like well that's well, why you need here. to get the right amount of money to make your film and if you don't and the film doesn't work then it's your fault I think right yeah, yeah. yeah. cool yeah well, I think I think we'll probably wrap it up there that feels like a pretty natural spot sweet on a, yeah. and on a downer and on a downer <laughs> that's what I like to do or don't do, you, make do you have like do you have like, something that I can put on a on a picture of trees like a quote like a <laughs> cheesy quote I'll email you one okay email me I'll I'll try and include that on the uh, that'll be the thumbnail for this episode maybe or something I don't know. I'm making all these promises at the end of every episode I can't follow through on. So Sweet I'll just show the, the reaction shot of the chicken again. That's what will be attached to this. But thanks for, uh, thanks for having me. It's been fun. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for coming. It was great. You may grow up to be a pig. Or would you like to swing on a star? Carry moonbeams home in a jar. 
and be better off than you are. All right, thank you for listening. Um, again, check out Cast No Shadow. Um, thanks again to Christian for coming on the show. Uh, next week, or next two weeks, the next half month, the next fortnight, a fortnight away from now, you will be able to listen to us. Uh, we interviewed Liam Small, uh, who is like a props guy, set deck. He's a musician, uh, comedian, does a whole bunch of stuff. So it's uh, really interesting to chat with him about sort of the creative process and what comes out of that. Um, so yeah, thanks again to everyone for listening. Thanks to Tim, my producer, as usual. And yeah, we'll see you the next fortnight. Kind of jumped up slippery fish, and all the monkeys are in the zoo. Every day you meet quite a few. So you see, it's all up to you. You can be better than you are. You could be swinging on a star.